Welcome back to another edition of the Dead End Sports Podcast. This is a weekly sports podcast. We call it the best couple of hours of your sports week. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, 12. Again, this is Dead End Sports. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. You can find the podcast anywhere where podcasts are given away for free. Make sure that you hit us up on YouTube, youtube.com backslash dead end sports. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine. There's no reason not to subscribe, not to follow. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Of course, I will not be podcast alone. Joining me are the homies. First up, my man, BZ430. BZ, what up, though? What up, though? Y'all can y'all can hear me okay? I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mic sound nice. Check okay. one. Yeah, I'm about I'm about seven feet away from my mic, so I ain't know if y'all can hear me all right. But all right, what's going on, y'all? What up? What up? Chilling. Uh, another crazy weekend of some sports, man. Um, I know we ready to talk about it and get into it. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Also joining us is the homie Ken. Ken, what up, man? What up? What up? What up? What's uh, good? Nothing. Keeping my eye on the weather, of course, because they're, you know, talking about school may be shut down. So that means I might not have to drive all the way into work tomorrow. So <laughs> you don't I'm sound wait, too, I'm just waiting too happy about call that. Call me and be like, building's closed tomorrow. I'm, I'm just waiting. Ah, here we go. Yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. I finally found the, uh, <laughs> the, the Apollo and Jalika. I don't know how to say his name. Fight. He was swinging for the fences, wasn't he? Hold on, I'm, I'm about to watch it now. Oh, you got to watch it now? Get a good, yeah, I can't get a good video. Oh, there it go. Well, he yeah, had man. to. I think that NBA, like, NBA fights. It's been a lot of fights in the NBA. It's been uh, a lot of stuff with the NBA and the refs in particular. Hey, look, I don't have no issue with it. I love it. <laughs> no, I love it, but, you know, it's funny because a lot, you know, in, in the past, whenever guys would square up, we, um, we said, oh, man, they ain't going to fight. They ain't going to do nothing. Nah, I I think lately we you know for the last couple well this this season, uh, nah they they've been squaring up and throwing blows, man. <laughs> so except uh, James Johnson, uh, no, not James Johnson. James Johnson was about to fight Ibaka, and I guess Ibaka didn't know he was a second degree black belt. Yeah, so uh, that, that uh, stopped Johnson. real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that stopped real quick. Apparently, the guy's an MMA fighter and all kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So he's undefeated. So what do you do with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's about what six ten, six eleven, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So might... you, you don't want no smoke. Nah, yeah. You want to let that one go. That that's one where if somebody say, "Hey man, you punk," you be like, "Yeah." <laughs> this <time. laughs> you he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna see you. I'm gonna see yeah, you. I'm gonna see you in the street. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get my goons because <laughs> you definitely ain't gonna do nothing." Nah. And then nah, of course last didn't. night we had the uh, Chris Paul versus. Uh, the the uh, his former team, the Clippers, and uh, Trevor Reza, and it's kind of sketchy as to what actually happened. Uh, but there's a, a, I guess a the two teams played, and if you're not familiar with the story. The two teams played uh, a lot of you know trash talking back and forth between um, Austin Rivers, who was on the bench, and Blake Griffin and Trevor Reza, and you know so guys, there's a tunnel in between the visitors locker room and the home team locker room. Uh, the home team was the Clippers, if I'm not mistaken. And this was ironically was Chris Paul's first game back uh, since being traded from the Clippers. And uh, yeah, they said those guys, you know, got were making their way to, you know, to almost get into a fight or whatever like that. But cooler has prevailed. Um, 
I just I think it's funny. I mean, the NBA is investigating it. I think, you know, they'll pro- because no punches were thrown and nobody saw anything. I think they'll probably get fined, but uh, still funny nonetheless, man. The NBA is the NBA is kind of wild right now. Yeah, it is. It is. I I, I expect there would be a, a a memo sent to the M- uh, NBA teams uh, from uh, with Silverman, uh, Adam Silver, yeah, Adam, Commissioner Adam Silver, yeah. About, and you got to uh, figure that it's going to happen. And the reason being is because, and we talked about it just last week on the podcast, uh, the NBA, as far as popularity right now, is at a very, very, they're, they're riding a great wave. Uh, ratings are, are up 20%. And when you couple that with the fact of the issues that the NFL has had this past season off the field and on the field, uh, you know, it's a good look for the NBA. You know, have they surpassed the NFL in ratings? No. But, you know, if they keep on this upward trend, you know, in a couple of years, well, you never know what can happen. So Adam Silver is about, you know, he's about the, the league. He's about NBA. He's about money as well. So, you know, he, he, he he's not going to let anybody mess up that bag for real. Nope. Not at so, all. So and we'll get to a little bit more NBA talk uh, on the back half of the program uh, right now, man. Hot and heavy. We got to talk about the NFL uh, let's talk about the divisional round, man. We had a crazy, crazy weekend this past in the divisional round. Uh, in the first game, uh, the Tennessee Titans went. Well, it wasn't the first game that happened, but first game we're going to talk about. Tennessee Titans uh, went to New England, got smoked by Tom Brady and the crew. And um, so, I guess let's start right there, man. Just your oh, and I'll, I'll be, I'm you know, be the first to admit I didn't watch a one play of this game because I knew this game wasn't going to be <laughs> about nothing. But I did see the highlights. Uh, B, I'll start with you, man. What, what did you take away from this game, man? Man, uh, the great coaching of uh, the coaching staff of, of the Patriots, man, the way they make the adjustments, you know, because mm-hmm. at, at first, you know, like the first maybe first quarter and a half, you know, it seemed like Tennessee was getting a mojo. It seemed like there was like it was a brink of like, uh-oh, can we be in for an upset? Like, because Tennessee, them boys came out playing. They wasn't scared. They was trying to take Patriots block off, and I was like, okay. But, you know, once you got into that middle of the second quarter, and then definitely once you got halftime, once you make the halftime adjustments, it was just a wrap. I saw Ken t- <laughs> tweeted a few times about, um, you know, it, it, what, the fix is in. Like, the fix is in. <laughs> it was in, so- being, you know it. <laughs> yeah, he was like, the fix is in. He said them calls, it was like a couple of calls that went right towards the Patriots' way. And it was a wrap after that. Ken yeah, was that, like, "Oh, that the pass interference." Here. So I don't know if it was. Man. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, it was two. Yeah, it was two calls. I'm pretty sure Ken can know specifically which ones they were. But oh, I, I, I mean, I thought at first, I, at first Tennessee was, you know, they was. Oh, okay, Marcus Mariota looking pretty good against against the great Italian company and stuff. But hey, Patriots show you why they're the Patriots, and I'm, I'm gonna give the stage to Ken on that one. <laughs> Ken, what's your take on that game, man? All right, so look, man, <clears throat> we all knew that the odds of the Titans beating the Patriots were zero. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna that get high? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, every, I, I think all of us picked the Patriots. No, 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 I didn't. I, I'm not. I, I you didn't pick the Titans. Patriots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't pick the Titans. I mean, he was just picking. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's not yeah. picking the Patriots. He ain't yeah. gonna pick the Patriots tonight. but you know i mean everybody listening people that have listened to the show for a while know how i feel so they understand 
or understood that pick. Nevertheless, um, but yeah, B, you're absolutely right. They they looked like they they drove down the field for their first score. Uh, I won't say they made it look easy, but they had a good game plan, and they put the Patriots on notice. Now it's a long game, and we've seen uh, throughout the course of these playoffs that we've seen big leagues in in these games just disappear. Um, this playoff um, football, and and you know you got to play to. <laughs> till the clock is triple zero as Stefan Diggs. So, you know, so, but, but what I liked the game plan, I liked what I saw and then it happened. They, they were, they, you know, the, the, the um, Titans were marching down the field. Eric Decker picks up a, a, a big third, da- uh, converted the big third down. And within five yards, they called a pass interference call on, against him and wiped it out. Then the Patriots had the punt. I mean, the Titans had the punt. Then the Patriots go back down the field. And it was like, okay, well, you know what? That's football. Some calls like that will go against you. That's understandable. Um, You know, throughout the course of the game, sometimes those come back to you. But the one that got me was the call reversal that gave New England a first down. The score was 14-7. I believe the Titans forced the three and – yeah, very key because after that it was over. They mm-hmm. forced a three and out. The Titans were getting the ball back. And, you know, if you're the Titans, you're, I mean, they're puppies. So you need as many breaks as possible. You need to be able to get this ball back to possibly go down and, and score at least a field goal. Um, um, at best, tie the game. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, we could, we could play with these guys. But, they they called it for they called it on the on the Patriots. Everybody's getting ready to set up for the next play, and they came back and reversed the call and said that the Titans were offside. And then they showed the replay, and you can clearly see the Patriots with the false start. Mm. My mind was blown. I just I could not believe what just happened. And at that point, I couldn't watch anymore. At that point, the Patriots just marched down the field, went up 21-7, and essentially the game was over. I mean, we all know at that point, there was no way the Titans were going to come back from a 21-7 lead. Something like that happens happens to you. You're feeling good. You, it has to demoralize you. It's hard to overcome that. And mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, like, I, I – I, there was really no clear explanation. Everybody was be- bewildered. Even Dart Adams. Dart Adams is from Boston. He didn't understand. What, he'll take it because he's a Patriots fan, but he's from the city. It makes sense. Most diehard Patriots fans are going to take it, but I saw Twitter, and everybody on Twitter was like, what just happened? What happened? <laughs> I don't understand what happened. And you know what? Like, I, Basically, I said, obviously, I said the fits is in. It was clear as day, and it may be not – in favor of the Patriots because they didn't need a lot of help. Right. But, you know, Vegas had them projected to win that game by two touchdowns, and here go the Titans about to go in and score to, you know, possibly tie the game. They were like, ah, oh, we can't have that happen flat. We need to, we need to, we need to uh, take care of that. And then that's the, you know, 35-14 blowout. This, you know, those are the things that really just wreck, just, just bothers me with, with that organization. I, I don't, it is. It was upsetting, man. I was like, "Wow, I just can't believe it." 
Like, if they just beat them straight up, which they were probably going to do more than likely anyway, fine. But it's not like they needed that. And mm-hmm. I was just disgusted, man. I couldn't watch any more of the game. And I just – I just I, halftime I was at my father-in-law's house. I got up. I was like – I was like, boys, pack up, get your stuff together. We, <laughs> we got you had seen enough. And I had seen enough. There was nothing else to watch. And I left and I went home. Then, you know, and that was it. I was done. And I was done. So, um, yeah, man, I, I just – that's what I got from that game. It's just I don't know what happened or why it happened. All I know is it happened. And man, it just – Man, that's crazy. And, then, you know, it's funny because, like, the game – it was, it was weird for me, man, because the game was on. I, like I said, I didn't see the game. It was on, but I really wasn't, like, paying attention. Like, I left out of the room, came back in the room, and it was 7-7. I came back, and I was like, okay, you know, it's 7-7. Uh, well, you know, what's going on? And then next thing I know, you know, it's they, – they're making plays. And I'm like, okay, well, this game is – you know, this might be competitive. But I'm still not sitting down and actually watching the game. And – um but yeah, stuff like that can it, it, it's demoralizing because what happens is is that you know they actually when you have those kind of penalties and stuff like that, it takes away from the confidence of a team. So you know a team, especially a young team like like uh, the Titans, you know it, it, it's demoralizing, like you said. And then when you have fans that see these type of things happening, you're like the fans are still like bewildered as to what's going on. It's not a good look for the game, man. It's not a good look at all. No, it, it isn't, man. And, uh, and and it adds to the narrative that the Patriots probably won't ever shake, that the NFL favors them. And it goes all the way back to the tuck rule, where there are reports, there are stories out that uh, – who, who was the commissioner at the time, Tagliabue? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that they were looking for a rule to give the Patriots the ball. Um, and and they found one. They said that thing went on for like 15 minutes. I, I remember that game. And uh, f- and I think that Taglibu and, and somebody were, I think it was Kraft, were friends. So, you know, ever since that game, the game that basically put Tom Brady on the map, Yep. Um, I remember that game too. Man, I was I, I it 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 broke my heart, man, because I felt like that that game was was taken away from the Raiders, and it was it was given to 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 Brady and, and the Patriots. And I've said it on this pro, on this show before. When 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 um Bill Parcells was was there, I was a fan of the Patriots. I liked the Patriots. Um, I was a fan of uh, Parcells. I like Parcells as a coach. So I kind of follow him where, where he went, you know, from his days uh, with the Giants. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I, and I was cool with the Patriots. And then, you know, even though they got a new coach, but um, – and then Brady was the quarterback. I, You know, I, I think I like Bledsoe a little bit better, but I was cool with him. I think, you know, and then to see that happen um, just didn't feel right. And, and ever since that game um, and the way they propped Brady up, from that moment on, um, that the the Patriots have been, uh, they've received a lot of favors from the league. Of course, and gotten away with a lot of stuff. <laughs> to and, to put it lightly, they've gotten a lot of favors. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I you know, and it's, it's it's interesting, man, because you know, New England, like you said, and and, it, and we talked about it before, and I'm not even going to go down the road of Deflategate, but 
you know, to have deflated footballs when you clearly didn't because you smoked the team that you were playing like you didn't need it. And, you know, like you said, those calls like that. And I went back and I didn't watch, like I said, I didn't watch the game live, but I went back and watched the uh, the clips on NFL.com, which give you the they give you the basically the whole game clip. So it's like maybe about a 10 minute clip, but it gives you not just the touchdown and scoring plays, but, you know, the plays that lead up to those plays as well. And, um, yeah, that stuff was demoralizing, man. And you could tell that it just took the wind out of the sail of, of you know, the Tennessee Titans. Um, who in a weird move uh, ended up <laughs> ended up firing their coach, uh, you know, just two days after that, which was you know crazy in and of itself. Uh, Mike Malarkey is gone, and they are now looking for a new head coach. Uh, that came about because the team could not, they did not agree on a contract extension, and so Mike Malarkey is up out of the pain. Um, the other game that happened on Saturday, uh, the Atlanta Falcons went to Philadelphia. Uh, take a big L and losing uh, 10 to 15. Uh, Philadelphia's defense was crazy. The They shut down the high-flying Atlanta Falcons offense. Uh, B, man, what, what's your take on the Falcons-Eagles, man? How, how did, what, what, what did you take away from that game? Man, that was, this was the one I, I thought the Falcons was going to pull out. You know, when Nick Foles was going up against Matt Ryan, um, I, I was favoring Matt Ryan, you know, um, just because the more experienced QB – um, you know what happened with them last year, so I was I was kind of putting a little bit of faith in in, in Georgia team. You know, uh, <laughs> I was, and especially how how well their defense looked. You know, last week against the Rams, you know, I was like, okay, they, they get their offense going, and you know, they'd be good. Julio Jones stepped up a little bit, so I, I just thought they was, but you know, I guess lo and behold, man, the boys. You, you, you know what I thought about. I thought about like when you know in the season when it, when the Eagles had Carson Wentz mm-hmm. and how like everything was fun and how every you know how it, uh, the team was just rolling you know what I'm saying like just as a whole and I think they kind of I felt like they was like let's do this for you know for for our man Carson Wentz let's let's ball out let's not you know let's because they know they know the uh, NFC gonna have to go through Philly right mm-hmm. I think it's at Philly right it's gonna yeah, be at Philly. yeah 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 so they know that it's gonna have to be at Philly so. You know that's that's the best way. So they like let's just do this for our main cars. Let's have fun. Remember they was taking pictures and mm-hmm. doing an electric and slide when they was rolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they kind of they tried to get that essence back as a team. You know against the Falcons and and they did. I mean the defense stepped up big time. And you know if if the defense looked like what we just saw against the Falcons, I think we're gonna be in for a treat for this NFC Championship game um, coming up next week. It's a, I mean it's upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that should be pretty interesting. But yeah, man, you know, I think you know Eagles, them guys, they put together, man, and, and they got they got behind that QB Foles. He he got that win, you know, got yeah. the clutch win, and, and unfortunately that you know Julio Jones couldn't hang on to that ball in that last clutch, that clutch pass, man, that mm-hmm. Matt Ryan threw to him to try to seal the game in that touchdown. But you know, than that, hey, Eagles, hey, I ain't mad at Eagles, man. Shout shout out to the to the. Folks and Eagles, man, it's gonna be a chance for them to get their first. We, we're, we're now out of the four teams. We have three teams that can possibly be a first-time Super Bowl winners in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, and Minnesota. So, you know, sh- shout out to some new faces, man. Let, let's get some new faces in there, some first-time winners. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Ken, what about you, man? Your take on uh, the Falcons going up to Philadelphia and, and, and coming up short? Well, um. I had the Falcons going to the Super Bowl. This the Eagles were in their way. 
But this game was, was, was theirs for the taking, and Sarkeesian, for whatever reason, decided to operate with half of the field um, on fourth and two and do a rollout <laughs> with with uh, immobile Matt Ryan. <laughs> Not only that, Kyle, he had the fullback Derek Coleman in the slot. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, my God. That's um, all the play, man. Yeah. So it's fourth and two, season on the line. You got a chance to win a very, very tough defensive game. And I don't know. You don't have Devontae Freeman or Tevin Coleman in the play, in, in, in the game, you know, to at least give you another option. Nah, nope, nope. If anybody should know about squandering opportunities <laughs> at the goal line, <laughs> it should be dead. <laughs> and, it's inexcusable, man. I, I just, I just don't understand. Now, you do, but you're preaching, though. You're preaching for real. Hey, like, what are That's you funny. doing? That I gotta funny. give Philadelphia a lot of props. I didn't watch <laughs> football this year, so I didn't get a chance to see that. That was my first time watching that defense. That defense is for real. Them boys can play. Them boys yeah. can play. But the Falcons made the plays they needed to make. I'm talking about fourth and six. Not only do you pick up the six yards you needed, you went down the field 20 yards mm-hmm. to your guy. Your guy, and, who was matched that, up with a safety. Yes. That's what you want. That's what I wanted. I'm like, if you're going to go down, go down with your guy. Matt Ryan to Julio Jones. If Julio misses it, we live with the results. But I got to give the Eagles a lot of lot of, lot of, of uh, props, man. They – they listened to the the noise. They listened to the naysayers, and they showed up. Listen, um, if you've been listening to this podcast for the last couple of years, you know that I'm a Falcons fan. Um, I got a lot to say. I'm going to try to keep it condensed because I don't want to ramble. But, you know, it's like it can, can be both made great points. I think, you know, first and foremost, I got to tip my hat to the Eagles. The Eagles – like you say, and you haven't seen them. You didn't. This is your first time seeing them. I want to say, I saw the Eagles earlier this season. I, I didn't see many of their games, to be honest. Um, but no, that defense is for real. And this is a team that, uh, you know, with Carson Wentz, I thought could go to the Super Bowl. With Nick Foles, I didn't think they were going to go far. In fact, I had, if you listen to last week's podcast, I picked them to lose this game. Uh, that being said, you know they came out and they did what they had to do. They made the plays that they had to make. Um, their coaching staff made the adjustments, so you got to tip your hat to them. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the Falcons, you know, it, you can't ask for much more from that defense. I've been telling my friends for the longest that for you to make it to the Super Bowl, and I think last year was an anomaly because defensively the Falcons played well on the back half of the season, but they weren't a top 10, top 5 defense. To have a legitimate shot to win the Super Bowl, you need to be a top 10, top 5 defense. That's what this Falcons team is. And it's ironic because the defense now for the Falcons seem to be the stronger side of the ball than their offense, Um, which is crazy when you think about it. When you think about Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, and all these other guys that they have on the offensive side of the ball. But this, you know, there's two people that I have to throw, well, three people I have to throw the blame at. Um, One is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had a decent game. 
but you're going to need to play better and play more. And, you know, there were a couple of shots that he just didn't get. And you've got to step it up and, you know, take it to the next level. And he just didn't. Uh, you know, his numbers came out OK. You know, if you look at his stat line. But, you know, ultimately that last pass, that last play, you know, that's going to come back. And this is the second time in Matt Ryan's career where they've come up short. Uh, it was a couple of years ago in the NFC Championship game in Atlanta, ironically, where they lost to a guy by the name of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, they came up 10 yards short from going to the Super Bowl. Colin Kaepernick goes to the Super Bowl and the rest is history. Um, and so I blame part of it on Matt Ryan, but most of the blame goes to uh, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, the offensive coordinator, like Ken mentioned, and head coach Dan Quinn. Uh, you can't call a rollout pass uh, on fourth and two. You just can't. Now, if your quarterback is Michael Vick, yeah, okay, do it. If your quarterback is Marcus Mariota, you can do it. If your quarterback is Cam Newton, you can do it. The problem with calling a rollout pass uh, at that juncture is that, for one, you, you shrink the field. And for two, in the red zone, you've got bodies going everywhere. The field is condensed, so there's only but so many p- pass plays that you can get off. Uh, I still don't understand, and B, I know you'll appreciate this. When you're you're D- Detroit Lions fan, when the ball got inside the 10, 15 yard line, you know, a couple of years ago, when you guys had number 81 out there, everybody in the stadium knew the ball was going to Calvin Johnson, and, and you trusted the fact that Matt Stafford could throw the ball up, and Calvin Johnson could come down with these 50-50 balls. And more often than not, he was going to make the cornerback. I mean, because Calvin Johnson was 6'5", he had like a 40-inch vertical. Uh, Julio Jones, 6'3", I mean, he's a physical specimen. Julio Jones and Matt Ryan have only, I think, their red zone targets, were, they were like one for 18 the entire season. And that I, I still haven't figured out why they can't get him the ball in the red zone, much like, you know, how they did with, uh, you know, a guy like Calvin Johnson. So... You know, I, I gotta blame Dan Quinn. I gotta blame Steve Sarkeesian. And I tell you what other what other play can that was just as bad was the pass. I think it was on second or third down to the third string running back. I mean, so you don't even have Tevin Coleman yeah. in the game and you throw a shovel pass to Ward. Ward hadn't even barely played in the game. And you know, I also gotta blame Dan Quinn for, you know, I think at some point they should have snatched Devontae. Freeman out of the game. Devontae Freeman had like 10, 10, yard, 10 carries for like 10 yards. And Tevin Coleman had 10 carries for 70 yards. Tevin Coleman clearly had it going. I don't understand why these coaches, and like you said about Dan Quinn, you know, now I, I can't blame him for what happened in Seattle because Pete Carroll, he, Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator. So you guys heard me laughing earlier when Ken made the statement. But Dan Quinn was on the defensive side of the ball. So he had nothing to do with Pete Carroll's decision to throw on fourth and handed the ball to beast mode. That being said, you have throughout the season, there's certain plays that you should have for certain situations. You have more than one play for fourth and two on the goal line. I just don't think that, I mean, if you, if they had turned the ball and handed it off to Devontae Freeman or Tevin Coleman and got stopped, then okay, you say, okay, well, look, we, we made our best shot. Or if you wanted to throw a fade to Julio, that's fine. You can't run a rollout pass with slow-ass Matt Ryan. I'm sorry. And you condense the field when you know that this guy, Matt Ryan wasn't going to run the ball in. So, you know, the Falcons blew it. Now, I will say this much. 
it was announced today that Sarkeesian will be back. Um, many people really did not like Mike Shanahan, who was the Falcons' uh, previous offensive coordinator when he was Kyle, here in Atlanta. Kyle yes. I'm sorry. What did I say? Mike? Okay. Mike, yeah. Um, yeah, that's his daddy. <laughs> uh, Kyle Shanahan, they didn't like him. Uh, he struggled in his first year as well. And then obviously his second year was the year where, this fa- where the Falcons had the high-flying offense. So maybe one year under Steve Sarkeesian, this Falcons offense can get it together, uh, much like they did because they were trying to run Shanahan out of Atlanta the same way they were trying to – same way that Sarkeesian is being run now. So that's something to look forward to, Falcons fans. I think if this offense gets it together – this team could, and it's not me being a fan. I, I really think this team can be playing for a Super Bowl in 2019, and the Super Bowl is held right here in the city of Atlanta. They could play right here. You heard it here first. Um, Would it be crazy if Minnesota pl- win, make it to Super Bowl? Because you know, I think Super Bowl is going to be in Minnesota. It's in Minnesota, man. I would love That's for that to crazy. happen, man. I I spent a year living in Minnesota uh, back in 2010, really? living and working up there. Yeah. And when I tell you these fans, man, they I love their fans because they are so pat. And I think part of the reason why there's an affinity for me for those fans, because they've seen so much and come so close and not been able to get over the hump. And if you look at it geographically, Minneapolis, the Twin Cities, it's only like a couple of hours drive from Wisconsin. So, you know, if you're in Wisconsin, everybody's Green Bay fans. And then you have a lot of people in Minneapolis and in Twin Cities area who are from Chicago. And so you got Bears fans. So, you know, if you think about the last 20, 30 years, just from the team's perspective, you Green Bay's had their success. You know, Chicago had their run or whatever like that. Minnesota hasn't. They've had a couple of good years here and there and they've gotten close, you know, but they're kind of like the little sister to, excuse me, the little brother to these other big brothers. So, their fans, man, one thing I learned just from living up there uh, and working up there, they those fans are very passionate and they really, really want to see this team win, man. So I I couldn't be happier for that fan base. I really hope that, that they do it. Um, man, that'd be crazy. You you it, win, you you win your first you win your franchise crazy. Super Bowl, your first franchise Super Bowl in your in your stadium. Well, now like, this won't be their first franchise because they've been through four other I Super Bowls and they. Well, it was in the seventies, so we were we were little kids. You know so what I'm saying? They, so they, they won a Super Bowl since the Super Bowl era. No, no, no. They've been to four, and they or they on four. They've never won a Super Bowl in their franchise, but they went four times, I think, in the seventies, and they never could get over the hump. Oh, that's and what I, I mean. Like, can and, they, uh, that's what I, that's what I was saying. I mean, not mean. I'm mm-hmm. not first time. I mean, like first time. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the that's closest perfect. that they got after that was in what ninety seven, ninety eight. When they went 15, this was Randy Moss's first year in the league. When they went 15 and one, they had Randall Cunningham, Robert Smith, Chris Carter, high flying 15 and one, and then they get to the lost NFC to the Championship game, lost to the Falcons. Yeah. The Falcons go to the Super Bowl. Minnesota, you know, loses or what have. So they, so they've experienced heartbreaking. We're going to talk about that game in just a second. But um, so we flip it back and let's take it to Pittsburgh. Uh, a sh- crazy, crazy shootout. If someone had told you that the Pittsburgh Steelers would put up 42 points and still lose the game, uh, I would have probably th- told you crazy. Ken, what did you take away from that Pittsburgh-Jacksonville uh, game? <clears throat> um, <laughs> I feel bad for the brother, Tomlin. <laughs> um, he's going to catch it. I made the mistake. 
of clicking on the hashtag after the. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I, I don't know. I knew what people were gonna say um, about him with, with that with that onside kick. I don't agree with the call. I think that was a bad call. But I'm not a coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I'm just a guy talking in a microphone and I type on Twitter. Um, so I don't have to make those calls and be heavily criticized for it. And Tomlin is is a man's man, and he's going to make his calls. He's going to stick behind it. He don't care what you think. <laughs> but um, I, I felt bad for the brother because I don't think he was given a, a fair shot <clears throat> at winning that game. I'm going to say something that a lot, not a lot of people are saying uh, in the sports media. Tomlin is the one that kept them in that game. Tomlin, outside of that one call, I feel is the one that kept them within a shot of winning that game. The reason why I say this is because Big Ben, again, threw them in a deficit. Two of his turnovers led to 14 points by the Jacksonville Jaguars. The fumble, which was a stupid mm. score. Mm-hmm. You take away that, they probably they could they, you know, eyes on they they're they're going to win this game. Possibly. We don't know. But it helps. The the he threw an interception to Miles Jack. Great play by Miles Jack. You got to give him props. Uh, for making a hell of a play, tiptoeing on the sideline to pick that ball off, put him in the red zone. Uh, you know, they don't have to drive, drive the field, and you don't get a chance for Labortles. You know, I call him Labortles because he's <laughs> You don't give a chance for Labortles to make a mistake. Labortles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and 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 I'll, I'll get to him in this. No, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. I, I think he did what he needed to do um, in, in that game to give the Jacksonville Jaguars a chance to win. And he came out the victor uh, in spite of what people have said about him, um, especially going into the game. Um, but, you know, you're, you're in a 28, 21-7 hole. You're in a 28-7 hole again. But that team fought and fought and fought, and they did not quit. They did not quit because Tomlin is not a quitter. And he made a call that probably cost him the game. Well, you can say it cost him the game because he gave him the field goal. But to me, that loss is on Big Ben. Big Ben gave them 14 points. Big Ben gave them 14 because of, uh, Big Ben made the score 14-7. He had a hell of a game. Over 400 yards passing, five touchdowns, um, but mainly because he had to. you know. And, and he made some, some really, really clutch throws. Elbel, great catch, great catch. Oh, and I think it was fourth and whatever. Uh, 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 Antonio Brown, great catch again down the sideline. Mm-hmm. Great throw by by Big Ben. Um, I think that was another uh, big play in the game. But he put them in that hole, and he put them in a situation that made it tough for a defense without Ryan Shazier to, to, to come back from, a team that wanted to play them. For me, man, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the talking – and looking ahead and and all of that other stuff. I feel like football needs more of that. I feel like football is too PC. So I'm a fan of them talking crap because it it makes the game fun. It gives us stuff to talk about before and after the game because it plays out on the field. 
it's disappointing, man. And I, and I, I hate to see that it went down like that, but I am really, really interested in what and in, in seeing what this team does in the off season because um, I think there are some changes that need to be made, and I'm curious to see if Tomlin is going to make them after the season. But you can't be a bad coach and go 13 and three. I'm sorry. There it is. There it is. B, what about you, man? What did you take away from Pittsburgh, Jacksonville? And Jacksonville defense for real. Uh, sassy Ramsey. And <laughs> is it B? Is it? They gave up 42 <laughs> points, man. Hey, man. But they I mean, gave up 42. That's a, that's, a, that's a high fly offense, man. It's a high flying offense. But look, Sassy Ramsey, <laughs> I, 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 I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Jacksonville. You know, I think Jacksonville, look, they got a good running game. If Blake Bortles can get his Trent Dilford on and just manage the game. I think I think Jacksonville would be all right, man. Um, but I, I thought the game itself, I thought it was, I didn't, yeah, like him, yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect, you know, Pittsburgh to score forty-two points against that Jacksonville defense that's been so highly praised. Um, I mean, we know that Pittsburgh is a high high offense, you know, high power offense, but still, if you if you were if you a defense a shutting down defense like that, no team shouldn't score forty-two points on you. Um, that's just unacceptable. But you got the win, so that's that's the most important thing. But yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was an entertaining game. I thought Antonio Brown made plays when they mattered the most. Um, Le'Veon Bell made some made some good great plays as well. I mean, I thought the players. I agree with Ken. I completely agree, agree with Ken. I think the coaches, you know, it, it falls on some of the coordinators. You know what I'm saying? I think the coordinators could have you know managed this better. But for Big Ben, you got to call that QB uh, sneak. You got to. Dude is huge. It should have been plenty of times you could have caught a QB sneak to get those first downs, man. But um, yeah, I, I think hey, look, I like it. I mean, I thought it was a, a very entertaining game. I, I hope I hope we get that same in the <laughs> game. But, and you know, Ramsey already talking about some, and we gonna win that bit. You know, we gonna win that game, and we gonna win that. <laughs> all right, all right, Ramsey. All right, I see you. I see you. So yeah, man. I, hey. I'm looking forward to it. I think this is going to be very entertaining. Um, unfortunately, I, just like Ken, I was rooting for the brother. I was hoping Tomlin would get the W and, and do have that, you know, that the Patriots and, and the Steelers game that I think a lot of us have been predicting since early December, mid-December. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this is unfortunate. But you know what? Look, like I said before, new faces. You got Jacksonville in here. Um, got a chance to play in the Super Bowl and get their first franchise first Super Bowl if they can get past the Patriots. It's gonna be hard going up to Gillette Stadium, but it's gonna be fun. Um, but yeah, I, I feel you know I like Antonio Brown, I like Le'Veon Bell. Like to me, I think them two guys are like the best at their position right now. Oh no question. You know the best running back, Le'Veon Bell. He's all he, he can do it all, and the best wide receiver is Antonio Brown. And I wonder, I, I wish, I hope we know how much of hundred percent that Antonio Brown was. Oh, was he like hundred percent, hundred percent, or was he like 90 percent? We don't know, but. He looked he looked good out there playing, man. He he was he was making some plays and and and, and I love I love Ramsey for for, for you know t- having the guts to go out there and guard him a lot. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, you know it's just unfortunate that you know Steelers the brother lost and and like I think you mentioned Kyle, he's gonna be on the hot seat, man. I hate that. Yeah, and we'll and we'll 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 come back to that in just a second. Um, 
man, you you guys made some great points. I think now I, I will disagree with Ken. I think some of this is on Ben Roethlisberger, and the reason why I say that is because uh, I say some of it's on Ben. I won't put it all on Ben. Um, I'm looking at the stats, Ken. Ben threw 37 for 58 for 469 yards. So you know it's only but and five touchdowns. So it's only but so much blame I could give to a guy who throws for nearly 500 yards in a playoff game and five touchdowns. Uh, but the interception um, and the fumble subsequently led to 14 points. Keep in mind, Jacksonville jumped out on them 14 to nothing. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, it might have been 21 to seven before the you know the Steelers got rolling. Uh, so I understand and and agree with you on Tomlin. You know, keeping the team focused and you know giving them the opportunity to fight back, and they did fight back. And like I said, the ultimate the score was you know forty five to forty two, but it really wasn't that close. I mean, Pittsburgh scored on the last play of the game, um, but I think ultimately what did them in was obviously the lack of defense. I'm looking at the stats here, and Le'Veon Bell has B just mentioned he's the best back in the game. He's only got sixteen carries for sixty seven yards. Now, I know part of that was because they were behind, but still, you still have to kind of make some type of commitment to the run. Now, they did keep him involved because he did finish with nine catches for 88 yards. Um, So, you know, he spread the ball around. But conversely, to me, this game was about Jacksonville. Jacksonville came in very confident. They heard all of the rumblings. They heard guys like Mike. uh, What's his name? Mike. Mike Miller. Or I think that was his name. Um. The safety for Pittsburgh, Mike Mitchell, I'm sorry, who was allegedly standing outside of their uh, locker room saying, yelling, you're going to remember my name. You're going to remember my name. Yeah, they remembered your name because they kicked your ass. Um, You know, this game was about Jacksonville, man. Blake Bortles, uh, Blake Bortles is trash. I'm not going to sit here and try to (laughs) make it make it sound like he's anything but what he is. But that being said, he and and I tweeted this on, on Sunday. He's out here on his Trent Dilfer. And he did a Trent Dilfer, the best Trent Dilfer impression that I've seen in a while. He managed the game. He made like four or five throws that he had to make, and he didn't turn the ball over. And, you know, they started him off. He was just little dump passes. I think the first two or three plays that they ran were, you know, just little dump off screen plays or what have you, you know, something to get him going. Uh, Fournette. I mean, Ken and B have been singing this guy's praises since he was at LSU Ain't nothing changed. This dude is a monster. And like Ken said, if he doesn't go out with a sprained ankle, I think it personally could have gotten worse for the Steelers. The Steelers kind of made their run when Fournette was out of the game. Um, But that dude is a beast, man. If he stays healthy, the sky's the limit. He he is easily going to be, you know, for you fantasy, if if you haven't picked him up in fantasy uh, this year, trust me, he's going to be coming off the boards for a lot of fantasy cats come next year early. Um... But, I mean, I'm looking at the stats. Their leading receiver was T.J. Yeldon with three catches for 57 yards. Uh, Bortles spread the ball around, man. He, he threw to, like, nine different receivers. So they, they don't even have guys that I think that you could say, okay, well, you come into the game and say, hey, we got to stop. You know, you, you know that you have to stop an Antonio Brown. You know you got to try to stop a Le'Veon Bell. But they, Jacksonville doesn't have that. They just got a bunch of guys, man. And – Guys were making plays, and they they just kept coming and kept coming, and they weren't afraid to stand toe to toe with the Steelers. And I think you know the Steelers talking a lot of trash, you know, and they were you know openly talking about 
making it back to the AFC Championship game to play against New England. And do I think they overlooked Jacksonville? No, but I don't think that they gave Jacksonville the respect that they should have, especially when you consider that Jacksonville came into Pittsburgh earlier this season and, and put the beat down on them 30 to nine. I think that was the score. So with that being said, man, this game, it was about Jacksonville and what Jacksonville had to do. And they really, they, they just took it to them, man. They straight up and down, took it to them. You got to, you know, give your, your, your props to this team. This team, you know, they have to bend. They sacked them, I think seven times. Uh, they forced fumbles. They forced, you know, turnovers and this defense is, and one of my buddies that texted me during the game, he's like, man, is this Jackson's defense for real? I said, hell yeah, they're for real. This team, you know, the weak link is clearly the quarterback. And if he can play halfway decent like how he played on Sunday, they've got as good a chance to beat anybody in this league. That was hey, a man. great, great game. Yeah, ahead, it, it, it was. And I, I just want to say this. Look, um, all year long, people – have ignored Jacksonville, mm-hmm. except this show, except this show. This is true, and and um and and we 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 pointed out that Fournette has changed this team, and people are sleeping on them, and people need to pay more attention. But because they were Jacksonville, people just and and Blake Bortles, people didn't give them give them props. Let's not forget that when Coughlin was in Jacksonville, um. When they first came into the league, I believe they went to the NFL playoffs eight years straight mm-hmm. when he was there. So for all you newbies, understand something. This is just them getting back to the way they were. And I think when he left, this organization just couldn't get back on track. But he's back now, and he's the GM, and you can already see his impact, um, and, and it's being felt. And it's just being felt by some of the players that I think he had a – a say so in and that's Fournette and that's the the corners, uh Bouye. And um and here they are. People people been sleeping on this team, man, and this team is is for real. You know, people you it's easy to look at the quarterback and, and dismiss this team, but this team is way, way much better than what you think that they and then uh conversely, man, the last game of the of the of the day uh <laughs> with the craziest ending and we're going to talk about the ending the 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 miracle in, in Minnesota in just a second but uh outside of that B just give me your your overall take on that game man what, what did you take away from that game I mean I literally it was funny I literally watched like the last maybe 60 seconds of that game oh wow Are from you the serious? time that um wow. you remember I kept texting y'all like yeah, like, yeah, you are. You are. I was like, man, so I'm looking at the score. I'm like, Minnesota defense is really that for real? Like, you know, it was something 17 to zip. So I'm like, man, Minnesota defense must be really scrappy. And, you know, he was like, yeah, it is. And, and I find, it was like maybe, yeah, like right before minute when Saints kicked that field goal that went up, that's when I uh, watched the game. And I watched it from there. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I'm thinking like, wow, we about to have a, uh, you know, Saints about to get into the uh, – but being the NFC Championship game, shout out to Drew Brees, or whatever. And then, next thing you know, I didn't think Case Keenan was going to do this. The miracle in Minnesota happened, and I was like, "Wow!" Like that was crazy. I caught that last thing because when he caught it, I'm thinking like, "Okay, yeah, he about to probably go out of bounds. He about to try to kick a field goal at the last minute, a long, you know, a 50 plus yarder field goal to try to, uh, you know, win the game, ice the game, whatever." Nope, was I wrong? Uh. 
I feel so bad for my man Williams, man. I, I, oh, I feel so bad for him, for him to miss that tackle. Like Ken said, he tried to do it. He tried to hit the uh, the hit stick on Matt. <laughs> <and he missed. laughs> so you know, and that's what he did. All he really had to do was just tackle him, try his best to keep him in bounds, and the game would have been over. Um, but uh, that was crazy. That was like a crazy end. I mean, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a crazier ending. The first one that jumps out to me is the uh, the Eddie George, uh, the Tennessee Titans and Ravens, when uh, what you call it stole the ball from Eddie George. Oh man, you 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 gotta know what I'm talking about, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, was that like, was the uh, that was in the uh, it might have been the AFC uh, championship game or was it? Yeah, it was like that division. He, yeah, he threw the pass to Eddie George. Eddie George and, and Ray Lewis took it from him. Yeah, and like that was like the finish. Like that was like that was it. So like that, that's the first crazy finish that jumped out the top of my head that I can remember. But yeah, man, it's one of the craziest finishes that that's gonna go down in it. NFL postseason in a long time. So, yeah, unless we get something crazier this upcoming weekend. But, yeah, that, that was nuts, man. It was a lot of drama. I mean, I like how uh, Diggs had his nigga moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, looking at the camera, you know, <laughs> look at, took off his helmet, threw his helmet just with his arms out. Like, oh, yeah. I see you out there with your nigga moment, baby. It, 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 it was dope. It, it, that, was, that was cool. That was the cool part of it right there. But, yeah, a lot of emotion. It was crazy. It happened in Minnesota's. You know, home, home, uh, home field. So yeah, it, it was nuts, man. It, it was crazy. It was, it was. I'm glad I caught the last 50 seconds of that game. Oh no doubt, no doubt. Ken, what did you take away from the game? Man, Drew Brees lit Minnesota up mm. in the second half because they they were all in his uh, behind in the, in the first half. I mean, he he couldn't do anything. But that second half, man, man, they they couldn't stop him. And and he and Michael Thomas started to go to work. Uh, there were a couple of players on Minnesota that got hurt. Um, so, obviously, you had some second stringers in, um, and that impacted some of the plays. And then, of course, Case Keenum. Uh, remember, he was Case Keenum. <laughs> and threw a terrible, terrible interception. Oh, my gosh. That gave the, the Saints uh, 14 and points. And you know who he threw the interception to? Uh, Williams. Marcus Williams, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with B. I, I feel bad for the brother. Um, but, uh, it reminded me of, uh, Raheem Morris, I think mm-hmm. from the Baltimore Denver game. The one that Flacco made oh, all his money off oh, of. Oh, Flacco threw the butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the one. Yeah. Yeah. He, he oh, made that play. Flacco never becomes the guy that we know him as today. But, uh, but. Either way, um, it was a uh, you know it was a game that was on that I I wasn't really I mean I had it on I was here doing some work and I was watching it and you kind of felt that you know uh, that the Saints at some point were, was going to figure it out and Sean Payton to his credit he did a great job coaching man and and he kind of changed things up and he got Minnesota on, on their heels and you know they started to press a little bit because I think they could feel momentum shifting. Um, you know, watching that, I, I was really when, when they came back. I was when you know they kicked the field goal. I was like, "Oh man, that's way too much time for Breeze." Mm-hmm. And uh, and I know we get into it later. And I, I essentially thought the game was over too. But um, but I I gotta give Breeze props. I hate to see the see the brother go out that way. I don't know if I want to call him a brother because he has some things to say about the national anthem protest. <laughs> so I'll say I, I hate to see him go out like that. 
But uh, but but I gotta say, Kyle, man, um, man, I, I'm a fan of of Kamara, man. I like I haven't seen him play at all. I've just seen the fantasy scores, and mm-hmm. and man, that 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 brother is for real. Kyle, Kyle test, tell the people what you text us about about Alvin Kamara when he yeah. when he got signed. Alvin Kamara is, and a lot of people don't know this, but I mean, he's he's from here, in Metro Atlanta, but he is childhood and best friends of Quavo, Takeoff, and Offset. Are those those are three guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good, you know, I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the dudes, man. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, if if you don't know, uh, those are the the Migos, not the Amigos, but the Migos, um, as my dad called them, the Amigos. <laughs> so yeah, so he he grew up with those guys, and like he's he's uh, he's there, you know, they're all best friends. And his uncle, if you're familiar with uh, uh, the music industry, his uncle is uh, Coach K. Uh, and so this guy is a guy who um, I can't I can't remember what high school he went to um, here in Metro Atlanta, but I think it was somewhere he ends up North going. Cross. Yeah, yeah, Norcross. Yeah, that's exactly right. He went to Norcross High. And then he went to Alabama. And if I'm not mistaken, he when he was at, when he got to Alabama, I mean, like all of the running backs that are at Alabama now are were there. So he just didn't work out there. He ended up going. I think he went to JUCO for a year and then transferred to University of Tennessee. Balled out at Tennessee. Didn't like it. Didn't like Butch Jones. What else is new? And uh, you know, here he is now, and and he's probably going to be named the Rookie of the Year. Uh, this kid, like you said, Ken, you didn't get a chance to see him, but I mean, a monster. He has a chance to take it, take the game over, and basically take it to the house every single time he touches the ball. He did it this year, running the ball, receiving. Uh, he ran back a kickoff, I think, toward the end of the season against uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, he's a real deal, for real, for real. And I became a fan when I found out, and that. And excuse me, guys, but this is a black show, mm-hmm. so pardon the expression. But uh, for all of you listening, but I became a fan of Kamara when I found out he was a real nigga. <laughs> when when Kyle told me that this dude took his check and went and bought some wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he got his. They asked him what he did with his money. He said he took his check. And went and bought some wings. He was like, he wasn't gonna spend his money on a whole bunch of jewelry. He wasn't gonna spend his money on a whole bunch of clothes. He just went and bought some wings. <laughs> man, I was like, you know what? That's my dude, man. And you felt his impact in that game. You felt his mm-hmm. impact in the second half. And I didn't know about the Alabama thing until I started doing more research on him after you told us about the Migos thing. And I was like, oh, so this guy has NFL talent. If you went to if you went to Alabama, you can get on the field. Oh, no question. You know, you got NFL talent, so. I was familiar with him, but uh, salute to that brother. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the rest of his career play out in the NFL. And, um, and man, we, we just had uh, uh, the Minnesota-New Orleans game capped off um, an eventful weekend of, of mm-hmm. NFL playoff football outside of the no, Titans-Patriots game. No question. Nobody no question. I think um, the only thing I'll add to that, man, I – you got to give, you know, Sean Payton and Drew Brees a lot of credit because, man, Minnesota jumped out on them 17 nothing, and it, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And then, like you said, Ken, Case Keenum kind of started looking looking funny in the light. You know, he started looking like Case Keenum. 
And, you know, I think that's something that Minnesota obviously has to touch up on this coming week because, you know, down the stretch, they didn't play well. And I mean, you can only, you know, they stopped moving the ball. They stopped doing what they needed to do. They stopped giving the ball to Bryant. And um, and so, you know, it was a situation where Case Keenum was forced to make plays and the Saints have a good defense. They are led by, you know, the, the Williams kid uh, who infamously became the GOAT. Uh, Lattimore on the corner and um, you know they're good up front with uh, Cameron Jordan so uh, you know tip your hats to the Saints I don't like the Saints I never liked the Saints I hate the Saints but I will say this much they came to play and they did not give up in that game and you just knew when the Vikings come down the field and kick the field goal they kick the field goal they leave a minute something you know left on the clock you know that's a ton of time for Drew Brees Drew Brees marches down the field, scores. I mean, excuse me, they kick a field goal. And, you know, <laughs> the Vikings get the ball back. One timeout left, um, you know, 25 seconds left, and they've got to get in field goal range. And then this happened. Keenum's going to try to work the ball on the boundary. Keenum steps into it, passes, There it is. I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy play. Uh, this guy drops back, man. Case Keenum drops back. He throws it to Stephon Diggs. Obviously, Marcus Williams comes up, uh, does not make the tackle, whiffs on the tackle, if you will. Stephon Diggs goes 61 yards for the walk-off touchdown in dramatic fashion. Um, B, you said you caught the end of the game. I mean, to be honest, there was, I want to say, four lead changes in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, so that play, man, that, take us through it, man. What, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, like I said, I thought the game was over. Like, I mean, you know, I just, I just thought at this point, you know, Minnesota was just like on a, on this hail mary ish type stuff. Just like, hey, we're gonna try to get what we can. We're gonna try to get a field goal because the, the game was it was a one point game. So you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I'm looking at like Minnesota gonna try to get. a field goal so they can, you know, win this thing at, at the least. You know, I didn't think it was going to be a touchdown. So, you know, Case Keenum drew back, he threw the ball. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, oh, oh, he caught the ball. Oh, my God. And then, like, when my man missed the tackle and I didn't see nobody else behind him and he was running clear and the announcer started going crazy, I was like, wow. I was, just, I was, at, I was at the house at that time. I was like, Wow. I literally said wow just like that as I was watching. Like, wow. Like that's crazy. I couldn't believe that that fool was he and then they showed the history play, they showed Williams literally and quote Ken did the Madden hit stick and missed. <laughs> and I was like, what was he thinking? I said, dude, he had one job and one job to do. And that's just let him come down with that ball and just be right there to put him down. Be right there to take him down and let the clock run. Because they didn't have no more timeouts. You didn't want to get him out of bounds, so all you had to do just hurt him, just put him down. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know if the young brother was just thinking too much or just, oh man, I just felt so bad for him. But yeah, watching that live, it was just kind of like, damn, I can't believe this is really like happening. Like Minnesota won. Like I, I literally was getting ready to pencil in Saints versus Philly, you know, for the NFC uh, Championship game. And you did. Home. You sent us a text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I really did. We I, all I thought did. It was over. I thought it was over. I thought it was really over. So 
when I saw that, I was just like, wow. Like I just I was just I just couldn't believe it, man. It was crazy. Like I love I love when you catch moments like that, you know, when you're watching watching sports in general, rather if it's you know, baseball, walk off homer, basketball, or football like that. It's just like, damn. So yeah, man, it was cool. It was it was dope. I'm glad I caught that. Like it, it was really cool. I didn't think Case Keenum had it in him because like Ken said, you know, he looked like he did some bonehead throws where it was like, okay, this the case Keenan we know. Like, this the guy that, that can make some bonehead plays, you know, when it counts. But, hey, he stepped up. Diggs made a heck of a catch, jumped up, both arms up. I mean, he re-reached up for that ball. Mm-hmm. He got it, man. So, hey, kudos to Minnesota. The miracle of Minnesota, man. Crazy, crazy finish. True indeed, true indeed. Ken, what about you, man? Uh, walk us through your thoughts on that play, man. Man, for, number one, I, I felt really, really bad for Minnesota. That that's what was going through my head because you know there's been this growing talk about them possibly playing in the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and again, here we are with them suffering heartbreak. We remember the missed field goal uh, with Seattle. Remember the missed field goal um, back when they played Atlanta, I think? Mm -hmm. Like, this team has just suffered, you know, over over time. And, you know, here here we go again. And and the story somehow rewrote itself to an an ending that even if – I know they want more. I know they want more um, in Minnesota. But even if it ends next week, what happened in that game will live with them for a lifetime because it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying that they, this is the first walk-off touchdown in NFL history. And it happened last weekend, and the fans got a chance to see it. Again, I thought Case Keenum, honestly – I mean, now we can go through it. It looked like Case Keenan was in- intentionally threw the ball. I thought he th- closed his eyes and threw the ball and just wished for the best. <laughs> the way he lofted that ball up. That's what it looked like. It looked like the interception he threw. Um, but apparently, That interception was so terrible, too. Yeah. It, it looked just like that. So when Diz caught it, I was like, oh, snap, he caught it. And I, was, I looked at the clock, and it was like two seconds, but it was enough time. For him to get out of bounds, he was right on, right mm-hmm. at the sideline. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've noticed in in the in the playoffs this this weekend is that they're going to stop that clock with one second left. Oh, no question. <laughs> New you England got one. That. <laughs> yeah, Philly got one. Hey, especially like, if you at home in Minnesota, oh, you know, yeah. if that were the Saints, no, they're not stopping the clock. No, nah, if that was the Saints, they'll let it run a, an extra second or two. Um, but that's why you have home field advantage. Um, and that, that happened twice this weekend. So they would have got a chance to, to kick it. Now, would he have made it? We don't know. But um, but at least they would have gotten gotten a shot. But when he caught that ball and, and put his hand down, turned around and started running, my, my first reaction was, what are you doing? Get out of bounds. <laughs> and then, like he said, you hear the announcers yelling, and I'm like, oh, snap, there's nobody there. And this dude went in, and I was like, and I tweeted, I was like, did that just happen or something along those lines? Yeah, I, I just couldn't believe it. It, it. it was incredible, man. I'm glad I got a chance to witness it. 
um, you know, live and uh and what a great game. And I honestly, while I felt while I was happy for the Vikings, I, I felt so bad for the Saints, but as somebody had to come out a loser of that game. And um and the last thing, it just pretty much sealed it that Brady will end up facing Nick Foles or Case Keenum in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I know, like, right? What kind of <laughs> shit is that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ken, that was the downside to Sunday. I was like, damn, the, the two teams that I thought they had a legitimate chance at beating New England uh, in Pitts, either in Pittsburgh or uh, or, or the, uh, the the Saints um, both got knocked out. So, and, and well, I can throw the Falcons in there too. I thought they probably had a legitimate shot at beating the Patriots. But, um, you know, we can we can hope and pray. Um this this play, man, was so crazy because uh, I want to say two plays prior to that, they did like an overhead shot of the field. And I'm watching watching the game with my two sons. Um, well, my, my my middle son and my youngest son, older son, is off to college. Uh, so and I, I tell my, my my middle son, Cameron, he's, he's 16. Um, I say I said, what did I tell him? I said, well. If you see how they're, he said, well, dad, why are they standing like, because you could see from the overhead alignment that the the, the corner and the nickelback were almost on the, standing on the sidelines, almost, for, for the, the Saints. And I said, well, what they're doing is they're guarding against the sidelines because at this point, I think they were down to like maybe 15 seconds or something like that. I said, they know that the Vikings can't throw the ball in the middle of the field because at that point, you really can't throw the ball in the middle field get tackled and then come up and spike the ball, you're probably going to run out of time, right? So when they got down to 10 seconds, which was what was left after that last incompletion, you know, I was telling him, I said, well, and right before they broke the huddle, I said, well, what he's going to try to do is he's either going to go left or right. I said, the only path that he can throw is a post corner. And he said, well, why can you, why, why you throw a post corner? I said, because if a post corner is thrown correctly, it's going to lead the receiver out of bounds I said, and that's his best bet to go maybe 20, 25 yards, get out of bounds, and then give your kicker a chance to kick a field goal. And so that's exactly what they run. So if you see the over, if you watch the clip again, if you see the overhead shot, one guy runs a short post corner and Diggs runs a deep post corner. The deep post corner, so where he catches the ball, he catches it between the corner and the safety in a 2D. They were in some type of two uh, cover two shell, what we used to call cover two shell. And so... He catches it where he's where it's supposed to be caught. It's a great thrown ball, great route. The problem is, is that when Williams is coming up, all he has to do is make, like B said, make the tackle. He doesn't have to knock him down. If he pushes him out of bounds, then he gives. I think Diggs probably goes out of bounds at the thirty-two. So you're talking about what a fifty-yard field goal, which is makeable in the dome. And I think that kicker, you know, he can hit from fifty-five, fifty-six yards. So. You know, no, you still don't know, but <laughs> if if Williams pushes him out of bounds or, you know, let's say Diggs to catch and goes out of bounds, his momentum carries him out of bounds, then Williams isn't the GOAT. You know what I'm saying? But because he comes up, and I think he came up too, he came up so fast, he was like, okay, I'm just going to cut him. And he went to hit him low, and he just dropped his head. And I think that's part of the problem with a lot of defensive backs, not only in the NFL, but in college as well, is that instead of this every Sunday, right? Instead of trying to make the tackle, they try to blow the guy up. 
and he goes to hit him. And not only does he whiff, you know, he doesn't even. And then he takes out the other corner that's over there. So once Diggs makes the attack, once, excuse me, once Diggs makes the catch, he's like, oh, snap. Let me put my hand down. I put my hand down and now it's nothing but green grass. And all the Saints see is ass and elbows because Diggs is on his way to the end zone. And so I've never, I've been watching NFL, man, since 1976. I've never seen anything like that. And I think I felt good for the, for the fans. I mean, obviously I don't have anything vested in it other than the fact that I hate the Saints. Um, (laughs) I think for us fans, we've been through a lot as far as fans of football, fans of the NFL. We've been through a lot this year as far as what we saw and all of the, the, the other stuff that didn't have anything to do with football and, and everything like that. And I think we really got treated to, you know, three really, really good games. Um, like Ken said, the the Pages game really wasn't that much fun to watch, but um, that I've like B said, I think we should be happy that we got a chance to see that. And even if Minnesota, even if it ends this coming weekend for Minnesota, I think you know they those fans got a chance to see something that I trust me. I don't think you'll ever see that again, not in that fashion, because you know statistically they probably had like a three percent chance of winning that game, and Stephon Diggs you know makes a great play. You know, Case Keenum makes a great throw. You know, Williams, you know, for the Saints, he's going to have to live with that. And, you know, unfortunately, that's going to carry with him until, you know, maybe he gets the opportunity to redeem himself. Um, But all he has to do is make the tackle. If he comes up and catches digs and grabs him and throws him and keeps him in bounds, the ball game's over. You know, it's just a 25-yard completion and game's over. And, you know, but he doesn't, and the rest is history. So, you know, the miracle in Minneapolis was a uh, miracle. In Minnesota, excuse me, was was something special to see. Um, now, we touched on it a little earlier and I, I know, Ken, if you want to give more on it, uh, me and B will weigh in on it real quick. Uh, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin obviously is on the hot seat. Uh, we heard earlier today that there are some minority owners for the Steelers who are lobbying to get Mike Tomlin fired. Uh, as many of you know, Mike Tomlin is, I want to say, the third head coach in Steeler history. Uh, this team has been around all of these years, and they've never had, uh, you know, uh, they've only had three head coaches, Chuck Noll, uh, Bill Cower, and now Mike Tomlin. Um, and Like you guys know, we're, we're pro-brother over here, so, you know, we don't want to see the brother get fired. But, you know, Mike Tomlin made some very questionable calls in that game, the decision to go, both he and uh, the offensive coordinator, um, Todd Haley, toss sweep on fourth down. Uh, they went for it on fourth down again, I think, uh, throwing against Sassy Ramsey, and he broke up the pla- broke up the pass. Uh, and then, obviously, the decision being down by seven uh, with two minutes and 18 seconds left, kicking off to Jacksonville uh, with two timeouts left. So you got two timeouts, you got the two-minute warning, and all you need is one defensive stop. And instead of doing that, Mike Tomlin decides to kick an onside kick. Uh, they don't recover it. Um, and Jacksonville Jaguars get the ball back, kick a field goal. Now they're up 10 as opposed to 7. In essence, basically losing the ball game. So obviously, like I said, he's on the hot seat. So B, uh, do you think he should be on the hot seat for this? Why or why not? No, he shouldn't be on the hot seat. I don't think he should be on the hot seat because the man won. He got them a Super Bowl. He 
has a, a great winner, winning record. So, I, I mean, at that point, we've seen, like what like Ken uh, texted us earlier, John Gruden, look what, he, look what he's about to get get um, handed to I, by the uh, Raiders. And, and you're talking about, you know, someone like Tomlin getting a boot. I mean, that dude record, what's his, what's his overall record? Ken, you know his overall record? It's Ooh, like uh, way... Tomlin? It's like way over 500. Yeah, Tomlin. 116 and 60. Eight playoff See? appearances. Eight playoff appearances. Two Super Bowl appearances going one and one in the Super Bowl. That's hard. A lot of people don't realize how... For him to have eight playoff appearances in the NFL, that is tough. It's tough to make the playoffs. This team that, that, that goes on droughts of not making playoffs. And this guy has been consistent with this team year in and year out. Like I said, with a Super Bowl win and another Bowl appearance, what more can you add? I mean, but you know, like this dude is—he's he's, his resume is good. I think you should still—he sh- it shouldn't be on a hot seat. It's crazy that this man's job is in jeopardy, or it seemed like it's about to be in jeopardy going heading into this off season. I think it shouldn't. I think Tom is a great coach. He seemed like he's a player's coach, you know, like kind of like mm-hmm. a new school. You know, new school type of coach, like with like old school values. I guess if that makes sense. I, I oh, like no question. It. It's like a mixture of both with, with with Tomlin, man. Like he get he get these young guys, man. The young guys is coming in. The younger guys that's coming in. I think he gets them. So yeah, man. Ah, keep Tomlin. Tomlin stays the Pittsburgh Steelers coach. I hope he does, man. I'm, I'd be really really disappointed in that organization if they let Tomlin go just by the pressures of social media and everyone else and. You know, just all the outside people talking about the, what's inside the organization, man. I hope I hope they don't let them go because of that. True indeed, true indeed. Right now is the homie, man. Uh, our boy FIFO. FIFO, what up, man? Yo, what to do? Chilling, chilling. What, what's your take? Uh, we were just talking, man, about uh, Mike Tomlin. Uh, obviously, you know, some of the questionable calls that were made this past Sunday. Uh, there's been a growing sentiment that, you know, at least from fans, that you know, Pittsburgh tends to play down to their level of competition. We've seen them in struggle. You know, we've seen them struggle in games against, you know, lesser competition. But, you know, and then, you know, he caught a little flack also for, you know, talking a, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the possible rematch with the uh, with the Patriots in the AFC championship game and, you know, having Jacksonville in front of them. Uh, and there's a sentiment growing that, you know, maybe his he and his player looked Jacksonville, even though I don't believe that, but. Um, nonetheless, you know, some questionable calls this past Sunday. So there is um, a report about some minority owners uh, who are lobbying, who will lobby to the Steelers majority owner um, to fire uh, Mike Tomlin. Do you think that he should be on the hot seat for this? Uh, OK, so so we have to be able to articulate what the hot seat means like should we question tomlin right now well i think th- i think it's a little bit more than that i mean like th- these minority owners really want him out of they're lobbying for him to be fired period oh no of course but but that's not the question the question mm-hmm. is what we what what we think okay right? so so based off of his decision making at the end of or during throughout the throughout the Jacksonville game, right? And also some of the inconsistencies you already mentioned playing down to the level of competition. Some of these things that we're starting to see, I think that it's fair to question his tenure or start to question his tenure. Start like like it I think it's fair to put him under the microscope now. Moving forward. Now obviously I believe coaches 
deserve, especially when you've been as good as Tomlin, you know, you've built up that equity. I always talk about equity. You mm-hmm. built up that equity, but he's had some missteps. So now you definitely have to, you know, question. And we'll see how he moves forward. If he recovers and, you know, he doesn't have any more issues or, you know, Pittsburgh is is able to be a little bit more consistent. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting because the age of, of Ben, you know, what's, what's the future of the Steelers? We don't know. But if he can guide the ship, and do it as consistently as, as he's been doing, then he's, he's going to be a very tenured coach. He's going to be 15, 18 years. But at the end of the day, you know, they had an opportunity this year, and that's the reason why I think some people are probably calling for his head, which is somewhat understandable. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he's Tomlin, and I think he's he, he's earned more equity than just having, you know, a bad season or a bad game called like he, he took risks he took risks jacksonville dominated that whole first quarter mm, they he did took risks you know so so at the end of the day you know i'd rather have a coach coming out swinging and making every bad call than just you know playing it safe so you know like like how do we want it? do we want the safe coach or we want the guy that's going to take risks right so for me i'd rather have Tomlin. but at the same time you got to be like hey bro Hey, we, we, we need we we need to we can't lose to Jacksonville the way we lost. Right. You know what I'm saying? Not saying that, hey, you know, I need you to win another Super Bowl. Hey, that's a tall order. He's been in the playoffs eight years in a row. He put continuously puts Pittsburgh in positions to win. If you took a misstep because the first quarter got out of control, hey, I I I think you got I think we have to understand for what it is. True. So, no, I'm not getting rid of Tommy. Okay, okay. Ken, I know you spoke on it a little earlier. Like I said, man, uh, eight playoff appearances, two Super Bowl appearances, one title in 11 seasons as a head coach. Anything else you want to add to this uh, growing uh, undertone from fans and minority owners to possibly replace Mike Tomlin? Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, Tomlin, I I feel – I think Tomlin is the most – criticized coach in the NFL um, for whatever reason. I, 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 I Well, I, I got a feeling, but outside of the Steelers, you know, being uh, an extremely popular team, and they probably do do good in, in terms of clicks and, and ratings and views and stuff like that. Um, he's black. I'm just going to put it mm-hmm. out there. And – you know, for me, I, I do think when I look back on a team that went thirteen and three, they're always nitpicking. They're finding certain things about this team. Is there some things that I would like to see him change um, in terms of the culture that that they built there? Um, yeah, but for selfish reasons, mm-hmm. mainly because I just want to see people stop criticizing the guy. But I firmly believe that they'll find something else to criticize him for, even if they follow the Patriot way. Um, the Patriots are not the only team that don't say things like the Steelers say. The Eagles haven't really said a lot of things. The Vikings haven't really said a lot of questionable things. Um, you know, a, a lot of people implore the so-called Patriots way. So I don't think we should continuously give the Patriots credit for 
not doing the things that the Steelers do because they're the Patriots. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of teams that, that don't do those sort of things. While people are criticizing Tomlin for the field goal kick, myself for the onside kick, myself included, Bill Belichick has made a lot of questionable calls that cost them games. Um, and he was criticized for them as well. But people are saying that the Patriots don't do that. They don't beat themselves. Uh, yeah, they have. Let's not have revisionist history. Here. <laughs> they have. But more importantly, Five man. Five Super Bowls, though. Five I, I, Super Bowls. I understand that. Five Super Bowls, two gifts. Uh, we won the last two because <laughs> yes! of all the people's no mistakes. Somebody got to win, somebody got to lose, Ken. Valid. Valid. And I can't take him away. He got him. He got five Super Bowls. Um, you know, Tomlin's just four away. <laughs> um, but never, but he got one too. And, um, but, but the point is he's, he's made mistakes too, Ralph. And, um, and you know, the equity you talked about, maybe he's built that up, but let's not forget he has made those mistakes. He was criticized for them. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that, that they aren't, that he hasn't, but I guess my point is that he's not, mistake-free Belichick makes errors too and people seem to act like he doesn't but anyway that's neither here nor but there Ken, yeah but if we're talking about equity five Super Bowls gets you all-time equity it, it, like you can miss the playoffs for the next three years you, you like don't worry about it it's all good I have five Super Bowls because of you Tomlin has one which built up some equity right how many times has he had a a a, a, a team that underachieved Right? How many times do we say that about Belichick's team? They always overachieve. So you can make mistakes. That you're you're human. I get it. Sometimes you have to take risks. You have to take calculated risks. You know, sometimes you have to be conservative. I get it. But at the end of the day, look at the dynamics of the team. Right? Yes, you're gonna make mistakes, but Bill Belichick's team, he takes no name guys and makes them into stars. Right? Like like Everybody overachieved. Tom Brady was a seventh-round draft pick. Ben Roethlisberger was a first-round top-five pick, top-ten pick, right? Look, look, just look at the differences. Bill, Bel- That's the reason why Belichick gets the pass he gets. He has the most equity built up ever. doesn't matter. But with yeah. Tomlin, yeah, he has uh-huh. some built up, but hey, bro, like, hey. No, I, but uh, mm, I, I hear you, and... And I understand your point, um, but when you say underachieve, what, what, what's your what's underachieving? Not winning the Super Bowl, or at least getting to it. Uh, uh, realistically, in the AFC, who should have been the two? Who, what should have been the AFC championship game? Should have been Pittsburgh and in, in New England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's be honest. All year that should have been the matchup. That's underachieving. They underachieved this year. And keep in mind, Pittsburgh really had a legitimate shot at hosting the AFC Championship game if they took care of business and didn't blow the lead against uh, New England a couple of weeks ago. Throughout the season, yeah, they were 13-3, and but did they really feel and look like a 13-3 and team throughout the season? They had a lot of bad, bad, bad times. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember a game against the Colts. Like, they barely beat the Colts. Well... Yeah, all of those are valid, but you know the record is the record, right? <laughs> hey, hey, you know, Ken, I get your point, man. I I have uh, I have some of my best friends, man. Shout out to the Cipher, um, diehard Steelers fans. They want Tomlin gone. 
Um, wow. I, I just I don't think, and I but I think and one thing I try to tell them is like you have to kind of st- we we look at our coaches and our teams from a fan's perspective when we're fans, but sometimes you have to just step outside of your fandom and look at it from a practical standpoint. I just gave you the numbers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, 11, eight playoff appearances in 11 seasons. I mean, there are not a lot of coaches that are doing that. Uh, you know, you got a guy like Marvin Lewis, who's been in Cincinnati, you know, he's what the second tenured, his second longest tenured head coach behind Belichick in the league. And, you know, he hasn't won a playoff game and he's getting, you know, contract extensions and new contracts. I mean, like he's all of this stuff is happening. So I, I think I agree with FIFA. I think Tomlin isn't without criticism because he, he clearly got out coached. I think this past Sunday, uh, Doug Marone out coached him. And I think Tomlin made some critical mistakes that decision not to and his his explanation for why he kicked the onside kick was that basically defensively we weren't stopping them. OK, I get that part of it. But so you don't get the onside kick and you instead of making them go 80 yards, they only got to go 10 to kick a field goal. You know what I'm saying? They got a first down and they were in field goal range. So that that, that just doesn't make any sense. I think sometimes and it goes back to your point, Ken, that you made earlier about you know, Dan Quinn and, and uh, Pete Carroll and the fiasco that happened in Seattle. I think sometimes these NFL coaches outthink themselves. And I think that's one thing Tom did. I, I don't think that he should be fired, but I think, you know, the Steelers as an organization and the fans, you know, they have a right to kind of hold him to the fire to say, hey, man, look, it's time to tighten up. Because, you know, at this point, you know, the window's closing. Ben has already said that he's coming back. You, you've got the best receiver in the game. You've got the best running back in the game. You've got to draft somebody on defense because you can't give up 45 points at home. I don't care who you are. You give up 45 points at home in the playoffs, you don't deserve to win. So, uh, you know, so the Steelers window to win another title under Tomlin as constructed right now, they're going to have to do some tweaking. But, you know, I think um, – and I wouldn't be opposed to them maybe changing offensive coordinators if, you know, if there's not a level of comfort between uh, Ben and Todd Haley. And that clear, clearly doesn't seem to be. I mean, he threw Big Ben through Haley and Mike Tomlin up under the bus in his postgame press conference. But that's neither here nor there. So we'll see how it plays out. I, like people said, I get why fans are upset. I get why these minority owners are upset. But I don't think firing Tomlin is the answer. I just don't. Nope. Yeah, and I, I don't either. The man has never had a losing season in, as a Pittsburgh coach. He's finished 500, but he hasn't had a losing season. He did that twice. I think that, you know, fans are emotional, and exactly. I understand. And But I did some research. I did some research. I, I just needed to, a, a, a history lesson, a refresher. Bill Cowher went through the same thing. Um, fans were calling for him to be fired. Um, I think he missed the postseason three straight years um, in, in the 90s. One of the criticisms of Bill Cowher was that, you know, he didn't always have his teams ready to play in postseason games. He never made adjustments in the face of adversity, was outcoached in the playoffs, and could never, ever win the big game. You know, those were things that people were saying about him. They were saying that he was bad at, at, at clock management. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I think one of his teams went 11-5, and five and, and that team didn't feel right because they had to come down for two or three scores uh, to win games. And then at some point, and then, you know, after all of that, 
you know, there was the, they say, the Jerome Bettis head sale Thanksgiving game, and then they lost 18 of their next 24 uh, from, uh, I guess, the late 90s to the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, so for myself, I wanted to make sure that, you know, am I too caught up in Tomlin being black? And to a certain degree, yes, I am. I'm sensitive to it. because I've seen <laughs> what a good job he's done. So and I had to go back. Yeah. And, and so I just had to go back and say, what were people saying about Bill Cower back in the day? And he faced the same amount of criticism, but we know that the Roonies typically don't fire coaches. They either retire or they leave and then they find a replacement. This is Pittsburgh. par for the course with, with Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, it, it is what it is. And I guess people do expect more out of them. But Bill Cowher had three losing seasons, I think. And uh, Oh, trust and, me. Yeah, they, they wanted to get rid I remember those days, those years. They, that, those were the slash years where he had Cordell Stewart and, you know. And, and, and they, they questioned Bill- him. They Remember, they thought he was gay. And they questioned his sexuality. Bill Cowher won one Super Bowl, and that was in, what, 2005? They, it was it was a topic, but, this but guy I, thought, was, I always thought he was. I mean, I didn't matter. But I don't I know if he, he is or not, but I, I I don't know. It doesn't even matter. But that was something that they had to deal with. But you know, Bill Cowher won that one Super Bowl a year before he retired. He went mm-hmm. eight and eight, and then he stepped out. So <laughs> you know, but he's a legend now. Yeah. Oh, he's no a question. Legend. No question. And, say, and so yeah, and, same thing happened and, to Tomlin. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll we'll see how that plays out, um, man. Before we move on to the NBA, man, it's time for our predictions. Uh, of course, we got championship. It's going to be hard to 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 top the drama that we just saw this past weekend in three of the four games, man. So uh, we got Jacksonville going to New England. That's the early game on Sunday, uh, and then we got uh, Minnesota visiting the city of brotherly love. Uh, that will be the late game on Sunday. So, B, who you got, man? Uh, Jacksonville, New England, and uh, Minnesota versus Philly. Who you got? I got um, Minnesota, Philly. I got – I'm going to go with Brotherly Love against Jacksonville. I got to go with Jacksonville. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with Sassy Ramsey, man. We're going to win this game, and we're going to win the Super Bowl in this bitch. <laughs> Uh, if he, if he, and he, he said that too. Man, <laughs> a live like, th- th- I'm quoting him verbatim when I said that. So just be, just off of that, I'm going with Jacksonville, man. I, I think I think one thing that you you do not want to give teams, you know, because they already know they're going in the underdog, is confidence. You know, they didn't they didn't they didn't won a wild card game, an ugly game against Bill, B- Buffalo. You know, beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers where everybody had them counted out. You're going to go into this high power offense and Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Big Ben, Blase, Blase, and they go out there and they and they ball out and they win. So now they got confidence. Now they feel like they can beat anyone. That's the worst thing you want to do to teams is give them confidence. Rather if it's football, basketball, soccer, baseball, whatever. So I think right now Jacksonville, they're playing with house money at this point. They just people didn't even think they were gonna get this far. So the fact that they play in the NFC Championship game, they just like, look, we about to go all and we about to try to win this. And I think with that count, now it's going to be tough to go up in Gillette Stadium and do that. We, we talking about going up to Gillette Stadium. It's not like they're playing at home. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I think Jacksonville might pull out an upset. I, I predicted them to beat – to. Uh, no, I didn't. Wait a minute. Yes, I did. I predicted them to beat uh, Pittsburgh um, when we did our picks last week. I had Jacksonville pulling off the upset. And I think they're going to continue going again, man. I think this is 
This is not going to be no Cinderella where it's going to be a bad end. I think they might pull it off. And I, I think Minnesota and Philly, I think it's just going to be an ugly grind out. You know, uh, I would be surprised if both of these teams uh, hit 20 points. Um, I think it's going to be a 14 or 17 type of game, man. I think it's going to be very, very def- defensive. It's going to be outdoors. So Minnesota got, you know, you're not going to have the luxury of playing in a dome. So, but that would be crazy if Minnesota win that game. But I, I'm just rooting for Philadelphia just because, you know, I kind of always, even during the McNabb years, I always liked Philadelphia, man. I always liked this team, the squads that they had, Dawkins and all them. And I just like these these guys, really like they're having fun. They really like about each other. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just, just for that, I'm just going with Philly. You know, and then also a part of me is like, the hell with Vikings. Because if Vikings put us <laughs> off the Super Bowl, we'll be the only team in NFC North without a Super Bowl. So misery love company, damn it. I want Minnesota to still be <laughs> Super Bowlers. You know, just like my Lions, man. So that's another reason why I'm rooting for Philly. So I want Philly to get it, and I want Jacksonville. Then at that point, we have two teams that have never won a Super Bowl in their franchise history playing for the Super Bowl. I think that would be dope. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. What about you, Ken? Uh, You got the AFC, man. You got uh, New England and Jacksonville battling it out. And in the NFC, you got Philly and, and Minnesota, man. Who you like and why? Philly, Minnesota. Wow. So Prince or TSOP, um, The Roots, <laughs> Jill Scott. <laughs> uh, the list goes on and on, man. Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Hey. Schooly D. They had it all going, man, this, this weekend. All of that got some love. Shout out to Schooly D. I'm going with the blackest city out of the two. Now, Cal. <laughs> You stay. I've never been to Minnesota. You stayed in Minnesota, so hey I, man, Minnesota. Well, you know what, Ken. To be honest, when you see a brown face in Minnesota, it's usually someone from Africa or Ethiopia. To be honest, okay. Uh, and, and the 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 traditional brothers ain't a lot of us up there. So I'm I mean, going it with, is, but it ain't. All right, but it's cool. Well, but they, but everybody, everybody gets along though. It's cool. I Real love Minnesota, city. man. Y'all, they Prince, man. That like they, you know, like. They won with that. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and they play Let's Go Crazy after every touchdown, too. Yeah, so they gave us Prince. I'll always have love for Minnesota. But I'm going with Philly, man. Uh, I saw, like I said, I, I, I've, I saw both defenses for the first time this weekend. And that Philly defense, man, they get after you, man. And, um, and, and I, I think it's a little bit more legit than Minnesota. But I think they're ranked one and two. Um, Philly is ranked number one, and I, no, no, I think in the NFC, I think in the NFC. But either way, I go man. Both of them play solid defense, um, so I, it's going to be a ugly game. We're talking about Foles versus Keenum. Let that sink in your head for a minute. <laughs> Foles versus Keenum, and if you look at QB play, who's going to make the mistake first? It's really a toss up. We know Foles can implode at any time. That Foller Coaster, man, is real. But I think Peterson will make sure that that doesn't happen. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Eagles, man. I'm going with the Black City, man. I love Philly. Um, I went there for my, my anniversary, man. I, I enjoyed the silly city. Uh, they got Philly cheese steaks. They got a lot of stuff I love, man. So, uh, so I'm going for Philly, man. I, I think they deserve it. So does Minnesota. Um, as well, and Mike Zimmer deserves a lot of credit, man. He lost two starting quarterbacks, 
and this fool's in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> Unfreaking real, man. No um, doubt. In the Jacksonville Patriots game, I hate that Sassy Ramsey said what he said. I understand the brother caught up, and he was excited, um, and and that he's confident. But sometimes you can be overconfident as the Steelers. And for him to leap, to jump ahead, like people are criticizing the Steelers for, mm-hmm. to saying you're going to not only go to the Super Bowl, but you're going to win it, and you've never been – in this position before um, speaks to their level of inexperience, but also speaks to their, their confidence. We're talking about Jalen Ramsey, who's played in games that matter out of Florida State. Um, Tom Brady has, has traditionally struggled with great defensive team. Denver got at him. Uh, the Ravens got at him. Is this defense on the level of the Ravens defense? I don't know. I don't know. You don't want to give Brady bulletin board material. Right, right, right. Pittsburgh, I, I cannot overlook the fact that Pittsburgh put up 42 points on them boys. Um, and they have Blake Borders as the quarterback. So, for me, I'm going to roll with the Jacksonville Jaguars, baby. <laughs> Sam C. Ramsey uh, is going gonna, gonna to take care of business, man. Ain't no way in hell I'm picking the Patriots to win this oh, game. I'll yeah. never pick the Patriots. No but doubt. No I think doubt. they messed up. I, I think Sassy Ramsey messed up, though. Oh, no question. No question. FIFA, what about you, man? Who you got this weekend? Man, look. As much as I say you can't trust Georgia teams, is as much as I hate Tom Brady and them damn Patriots, man. So I'm definitely going with Jacksonville. I'm going with the underdog. I'm going with the upset. I think B and Ken are are, are right on it. Um, it's it's not always kind of what's apparent. It's kind of what you know in terms of you know being a, a former athlete and being on a team and understanding momentum. Jacksonville's right in the high. And, you know, we know defense win championships. Them boys play defense and they can run the ball. When you can do those two things, guess what? It keeps the ball out of number 12's hands. I think that's the game plan. I don't think that you need to, you know, try to recreate what they did against Pittsburgh in terms of scoring 40 something points. They don't want to get in that type of shootout. With all that being said, I'm going to take Jacksonville with the big time upset at Foxborough. Okay. Uh, in terms of the. Who is it? Uh, Philly and uh, Philly, Minnesota. Uh, and Minnesota. Okay. This, this, this right here, obviously Philly, I think, is the overall more talented team. Obviously, they, they, they don't have their starting quarterback in either does uh, Minnesota. So, I have to go kind of with the logic of Ken, and I'll agree with him. Philly has a lot of stuff I, I like, that I love. Philly cheesesteak being definitely at the top of the list because I'm a fat boy. So I'm, I'm going to go with Philly, man. I'm going to go with Philly winning. Okay, okay. Um, I didn't like, like you said, Sassy Ramsey's comments as far as um, as far as far what they wanted to do, um, you know, with him predicting, you know, that they're going to go all of the way or whatever. Like, I didn't like his comments. Um, but 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 I I understand I, I get it. You're a young guy. You can get you can get caught up in it. Um, and I will say this much: I, I could never find myself, you know, rooting or picking for you know the Tom Brady led <laughs> New England Patriots. Um, 
I will say this much. I think the thing that you need to do to beat Brady and the Patriots is one, you got to have a great pass rush and you got to be able to, to put pressure on Brady without bringing other people. So you got it. Your, your front four have to get pressure and you have to get pressure in the middle. Jacksonville does this very well. If I'm not mistaken, they led the league in sacks. So, and the second thing you have to do is you have to have covers that can corners that can cover. We know Bouye and uh, Sassy Ramsey, both are all pro can cover. So you got that covered. And then you got to be able to put up points. That's the problem that Jacksonville is going to have. But they put up 45 points this past weekend. So I think defensively, if they can get it done, if Blake Bortles can make six plays, Blake, I know you're listening. If you can make six plays, y'all got this. Um, So, yeah, I'm going with Jacksonville. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, I think, you know, but I will say this much. If if the four of us are wrong, it'll be because Roger Goodell has made the phone call already to the refs <laughs> to make sure that ain't no way in hell that the Jacksonville Jaguars make it to Minneapolis. Because trust me, they can't sell the Jacksonville Jaguars in the Super Bowl as well as they can sell Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So right. trust and believe that when we look at the stat sheet come Monday morning, uh, Jacksonville is going to have like 15 penalties. New England might have seven or they might have three. So they're not going to win the flag battle. I can tell you that already the call has been made Uh, over in the NFC, man. I like, I think both teams really kind of evenly match up. I think both teams have great, great defenses. Both teams run the ball. I'm pretty sure it's going to be cold. Um, So, you know, that's all you want to do is run the ball. You don't want to have to throw. I think it's really going to come down to uh, field goals and turnovers. Uh, Who can make their field goals? Who won't turn the ball over? I like Keenum more so than I like Nick Foles, uh, even though Nick Foles did play well against the Falcons defense. Um, So, yeah, man, I got to go with Minnesota, man. I know everybody that's going to be at the loop on uh, Sunday watching the game. One of the best restaurants in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, man. Love the food. I used to eat there all the time. Uh, so yeah, I'm going. I'm going with. Uh, I'm going with. Going with Minnesota winning. I probably say 27-24. Uh, and in the Patriots game, I'm going to go 17-14 Jaguars. So that's the way I see it going down. Um, before we get out of here, man, let's go to the NBA. Uh, <laughs> What can we say uh, about, you know, what's going on in the NBA? Man, the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, to say that they are struggling is an understatement. Um, You know what's been going on with this team. The Cavs have lost uh, four in a row, uh, eight of their last ten. Right now they're the number three seed uh, and they're four four and a half games ahead of the ninth seed uh, and seven and a half game back of the Boston uh, Celtics who lead the East. Uh, now, obviously, with the number three seed, they're only going to guarantee themselves one playoff series with a home court advantage. Of course, we got a lot of time uh, before that happens. But just over the last week or so, man, they blew a 22-point lead at Indiana. Uh, they lost by 34 to Toronto with, in a game in which they were down by 41 points at one point. Uh, they had a 28-point loss to the Timberwolves, and then obviously last night at the time of this recording, losing to Golden State by 10 at home. Man, what can I say about this team? The defense has yielded uh, 100, basically averaging, giving up 120 points a game over the last five games. Defensively, they're ranked 29th in the league. 
We know that they have issues. Isaiah Thomas is just getting back into shape. Uh, right now, he's shooting 35% from the field. Uh, in his last three games, he's only made 13 of 47 shots. That being said, FIFA, what's wrong with Cleveland? Oh, man. Um, It's just not the same old squad. Uh, Kyrie saw the writing on the wall. Uh, He made his move. Cleveland is in in one of these situations that I feel the writing's on the wall. And ownership and management will not pull the trigger. Mm. At this point in time, right? What were they lost? Like eight out of ten. You know, yeah, they, eight they, out they of ten. Four in a row, eight out of ten. And mm-hmm. I think they play again Thursday against Orlando. They better not lose to Orlando. I I am look, there's gonna be wholesale changes after that, especially if I was the GM. They, 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 they're going to have to make some moves. And because LeBron has not committed long-term, that leaves the entire state of the franchise up in the air. And if your entire franchise is predicated on one person, then you really have not built a true foundation. And what better time than now? Especially when you already know you're going to be guaranteed a pretty high draft pick, maybe not number one overall, but you're going to have a, at least a top five, top ten pick in this upcoming draft, which is loaded again. Um, you got to start making moves. You have a lot of valuable assets that other teams would want, mainly because your talent is still under contract. So I would make moves. You, you got to make moves. It seems like this is just it's too dysfunctional. You see how Le- LeBron's antics on the sideline looks like he's the coach. It, 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 it just it don't look right. It don't feel right. And when those two things happen, you kind of have to move on. Um, you know, J.R. Smith, I know that the past couple games he hasn't scored. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a starting shooting guard, man. How, how, how do you not score? You are a starter and, and you're known for scoring. How do you get zero points? That's there's just I can't pinpoint exactly. Like, oh yeah, it's this one thing. No, I think it's a multitude of things. So at this point, I I just believe that you have to make wholesale changes. I take on bad contracts. I take on draft picks. I take on all of that. And LeBron is basically going to be begging me for me to trade him because I got to get something for him too. Unless he wants to play with a whole bunch of bums and G leaguers, <laughs> I got to get something from from LeBron. Uh, and, and I think that's that's where Cleveland needs to truly consider. That's really where they are because the reality of the situation is, if you do make it to the finals, and I, I did say it because I truly believe Boston is going to make it out this year. But if they make the finals, like what, what's going to happen? Like we know what's going to happen. Golden State is going to beat their ass big time. So 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 why why endure that? Why endure that when you know you can't beat the juggernaut when you have the king? So 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 you gotta get rid you gotta get rid of the castle, man. You gotta form new alliances, you gotta build a new foundation. And that's where Cleveland is, unfortunately. And 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 obviously they're not going to do that. No professional uh sports team would do that with the best player on the planet on your team. But I think that that's a bold move and something that needs to be taken into consideration because if they make a move for DeAndre Jordan that doesn't put him over the top 
Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I seen Anthony Davis and maybe a Demarcus Cousins or Demarcus Cousins. I mean, uh, put you over the top of Golden State, and 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 that's really not. You know, obviously they haven't been playing defense. They don't have no rim protection, but their problem is all defense and especially perimeter defense. Especially when you have a guy that's five nine and was the worst rated defensive player last year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he ain't helping much. So. I, <laughs> I just rather scrap the project and start all over. Bold moves, bold moves from FIFO, man. Um, B, what about you, man? I read the numbers, man. Eight out of the last ten since Christmas uh, losses for the Cavs. Uh, like I said, their last four. I mean, you have a game where you, at one point, you're down by forty-one points. Uh, what's wrong with the Cavs, man? They can't play no damn defense. Um, <laughs> you can't be. You can't. You cannot be a, you know, be committed on the defense of being playing against a team like Golden State, because if they meet Golden State in the finals again, which I'm, I'm still not giving up hope on Cleveland coming out the East, not just yet, but um, they just not playing no defense, man. And if you if you go out there like like a Daisy defensively, you're gonna get swept. They're gonna get swept this year if if they if they if they if they end up facing the um. Well, they, you know, they will end up facing the Golden State. Because like I said earlier, I tweeted earlier, you might as well just get Golden State in the championship. They, nobody's going to beat them in a seven-game series. Um, but, uh, yeah, if they go against them this time, even with supposedly people say this is the deepest bench LeBron had, has right now, they're, they're going to get swept out the water, I think, this time. Because, um, you know, yeah, Isaiah Thomas is good, but you know, he's no Kyrie Irving, you know. He is definitely no Kyrie Irving, but yeah, man, that's that's the main thing with Cleveland. They're not playing any defense. You have to play good team defense to even be considered or somewhat considered a championship squad, man. I mean, as offensive Golden State is, they got guys that's committed on defensive end. Hell, even Kevin Durant is starting to be committed on defense, and that's scary. Like right. he's starting to get that he's scary on the defensive end. So when you get that. Along with you know Andre Iguodala, Livingston, Draymond Green, like you, you already got guys that's a dog on defense anyway. I mean, even Clay Thompson, he has his spurs where he played, where he's showing up on defensively. But um, yeah, once you start getting guys that come in on defensive like that and can still score and get buckets that quick, dangerous team. That's why they, that's why they champs. And I, I don't think Cleveland have that same dog in them. I thought they did when they got Joe Crowder. From Boston, you know, I thought they got him and Jeff Green, you know, a couple of good wing guys that can defend multiple four positions or three positions or more. But they just think, you know, they, I'm hearing rumors they say Crowder's unhappy. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? In, in in Cleveland, so it's 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 a mess, man. It's a mess. It, it's it's I, I agree with people. We was texting earlier. You know, just go ahead and go to um San Antonio, go over there with legendary Greg Pop. Mm. So B is proposing that. LeBron goes to San Antonio. <laughs> I ain't mad at it. Uh, Ken, what about you, man? What, we, we talk via text, man. It's, it's been a topic of discussion. Obviously, the t- discussion talks have heated up even more so within the last 24 hours that we, as we just saw uh, Cleveland, you know, basically just kind of get run out of the gym in the fourth quarter in their own building. Um, what's wrong with the Cavs, man? Everything. Um, I'll add to what, 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 uh, Ralph and I mean, I'll add to what FIFO and, and, and B just said, man. Um, I think the rotations, I think Talu is the problem. I think he has too many pieces and he doesn't know quite what to do with them. 
they were fine until Tristan Thompson came back. Tristan Thompson came back. They tried to work him in. Things kind of they had a bump in the road, um, and now it is back, and and the bump is speed bump has gotten a lot bigger, um, and they just have a lot of pieces, man. Uh, J.R. Smith whining about not starting. He got to go. Shumper's hurt, but he got to go because he makes uh, way too many boneheaded plays. Crowder doesn't want to be there. He's playing like 21 minutes or so a game, and you could just look at him on the court. He, um, it, it's a, he, it's like he forgot how to play. It's like he forgot how to play basketball. He is not the same guy that we saw in Boston last year and, and the years before before then. His energy is not there. He he puts forth no effort and you know, he just he just doesn't look happy. Um I think Jeff Green when when they were successful, Jeff Green was playing really, really well. But they bring him off well, I think he's always came off the bench, but um he he's back to being the inconsistent Jeff Green that we've always known, <laughs> and um, he's not having an impact, in, you know, anymore. And um, and I just think the rotations are all over the place. Talu hasn't figured it out. Stephen A. Smith reported that role players are going up to management and Uh-oh. and complaining <laughs> about good. their roles, and they don't know, you know, uh, and and their playing time, and it's it's all kind of mess man it's time to move some pieces I would not trade that number one pick I, I I wouldn't I would keep that because LeBron hasn't committed and I need to look towards the future for my organization he gave us one uh, I, I'm happy but you're not about to cripple me again um, but I think there are some other moves that they can make to improve this roster this is a case when where they just have too many pieces. This is a nightmare. And I, I'm with FIFO. I don't see them getting out of the East right now. Mm. Because until Tyrone Lue, like, I when I watch this team play, I don't understand, especially when I watch that, that Warriors game, they are so inconsistent on both ends of the court. It's baffling to me. When I watch Golden State play or San Antonio play or Boston play, everybody knows what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, their roles. They don't try to do too much. They really play as one unit. This is a situation where I think having the best player on on, on your team is detrimental to the team because they tend to rely on him way too much there are far too many times when we look up and LeBron is having to be or is the best player on the court against the Warriors he was he had like 16 in the first quarter I think or something like that nobody else was involved when the Cavs won 18 and 19 they were moving the bench was playing well everybody was functioning as one unit they were in sequence they were sharing the ball a lot of that has dissipated and it's back to LeBron a bust. And I don't really think LeBron wants to play that way. I think he would love to play the way that Golden State will play or the way that San Antonio plays and and not the way that they're playing now. They have enough weapons, 
but they need the right system and they need the right coach to get them heading in the right direction. And we've been on this Lou train for a while. We tried to fire him last year. <laughs> you know, it, they they got it right. But they went 23 and 23, remember? Uh, when they started out 5 and 7, we, we, we ratcheted that thing back up. Fire Lou. It's back on again. And um, they got Blatt up out of there. And we really have to look at Lou now because you have pieces. We all know that if you don't get along with your teammates and there's dysfunction, you're not going to go that far. And we have a long way to go, but I feel like this isn't the end of the story. And I think we're just beginning. And whatever went on between LeBron and Kyrie, we will find out their personal issues and why Kyrie mm. left. At some point, it's going to mm. leak out. Of course. But, um, but this is a nightmare, man, and, and I think we're – LeBron is playing well, but I think we're starting to see the end of the Kings' reign in the East. Wow, wow, wow. Um, man, they, all three of you made some excellent points, man. Um, I really can't go too much against anything anybody said, to be honest. Uh, I think B touched on it. He said, you know, the, the part about them – not playing defense. And I think sometimes you have to want to play defense. Uh, and I just don't, I don't see it consistently on a consistent basis. And I'm, I'm going to give you a, 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 a point of reference. Uh, there was a moment last night in the game. And many of you, uh, I'm assuming, you know, listening to this podcast saw it where Kevin Durant gets a steal and he's on the break. LeBron beats him to the spot as far as in the paint. And you can tell that Kevin Durant is gearing up like he's not going to lay the ball in. Kevin Durant, probably once he gets beyond the three-point line, he's starting to lock in. If you look at the play in slow motion, he's starting to lock in on the rim. So that tells me, and he's kind of gathering his steps, so that tells me that he's going to dunk the ball. And LeBron is in the lane, and LeBron clearly has you know, the, the, the wherewithal and the ability to jump with Kevin Durant, but instead he lets Kevin Durant take off from the dots and he dunks it in his face. And I mean, LeBron said LeBron doesn't jump, but he's still there's going to be a poster with LeBron in that poster with Kevin Durant dunking. And when I saw that, I was like, well, that's part of the problem right there. Like you're the lead. And I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not here to necessarily dump on LeBron. But when you're the leader, you have to take the responsibility on the defensive end. You can't say, well, hey, we're not playing defense, and you're you're part of the reason why we're not playing defense. I saw a play last night where Steph Curry, of all people, came through the lane and threw down a two-handed dunk. I don't think I've seen Steph Curry dunk in the NBA, but like maybe two or three times, right? So their lack of ability to play defense, I think, is more so – is their desire to play defense like they don't even try and i understand yeah golden state moves the ball and they make even the most defensive teams look crazy because golden state is always making the extra pass they don't care about who scores their their thing is let's get our shots and let's get them all on assisted baskets they lead the league in assists so you know they're going to get the best shot. They're going to keep passing the ball around until they get the best shot. Rarely do you have guys on Golden State just come out, come down, ISO, jack up a three. That 
rarely happens. And I mean, if it does, you know, it's Kevin or it's uh, Steph and nobody's going to say anything. Um, but I won't go as far as FIFO and Ken and saying that it's over for them in the East because I still think we just saw this Cavs team prior to Isaiah Thomas coming back. We saw them win, what, 13 in a row? I mean, they can do it. I, I think, you know, they're going to kind of figure some things out on the back half of the season. But the problem is this team doesn't look as good as they did last year. And when you look at who they could possibly face in the finals, provided they they get to the finals, Golden State looks twice as good as they did last year. And, like, even in watching the game last night, it just, at least to me, it didn't appear like at any time that they felt threatened by what Cleveland was doing. You know, the, Cleveland went up by nine and Golden State erased it. They went on, like, a 12-0 run. I mean, like, Golden State comes at you in waves. And while I agree, I agree with Ken where they probably should be looking to make a trade, I just don't know if there are any trades out there that can make them that much better where they can beat, you know, Golden State. I don't think, you know, like B said, I think right now as it stands, they're getting swept. And now it's a lot of stuff that has to happen between now and then, and you got injuries and a whole nine. But if they had to play Cleveland, excuse me, if they had to play Golden State in the seven-game series tomorrow, I think they get swept. Uh, luckily for them, June is a, is is far away, uh, and a lot can happen. But I don't know, man. This, like Ken said, this could be the end of their run. I'm not going to go as far as saying that. I don't think that Boston can beat them in a seven game series because I, I still believe in LeBron. I still think LeBron's the best player in the game. But you know, when it goes back to what I started off talking about, defense, man, you gotta want to try to do it. You gotta try to do it. And I just I don't see the defensive effort. I don't see it. And I see a guy like J.R. Smith, and I tweeted it out last night. Somebody needs to remind J.R. Smith that he can get to the rim. This guy just shoots threes all the time. Remind J.R. Smith that a couple of dribbles he can get to the rim and take his guy off the dribble most nights. Uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas is back in the mix, and Kevin Love's numbers are starting to fall off. And it's because, you know, Kevin Love at times couldn't – figure out how he could coexist with with uh, uh, Kyrie on the court, Kyrie and LeBron. And, and we saw his numbers dip. And I think we're starting to see the same thing. Isaiah Thomas, I think last night took 21. He took more shots than LeBron did last night. You know, so this team, man, and it, it, it's going to take a little time for Isaiah Thomas to round himself into shape. I'm thinking maybe a little bit after the All-Star break, he should be good to go. Uh, I won't throw dirt on the C- Cleveland Cavaliers grave just yet, but uh, I think they can still, I think they can and still will come out of the East, but against Golden State, whew, I don't know, man. This this team looks scary. They look that much better than they did last year. So we'll see, man. And, and you know, the trade deadline, and we're hearing rumors that, you know, Cleveland is looking to make a move. And like Ken said, there are rumblings about guys who aren't, you know, necessarily happy. Jay Crowder does not appear to be very happy with his role and his minutes of being reduced and he's not getting the shots getting in Boston. So it's a lot of moving parts, man. And then we got D Rose, that whole situation. D Rose is, you know, should be coming back uh, probably within the next month and a half or so. And they're going to have to try to work him into, into the rotation or maybe, maybe he doesn't get in the rotation. I don't know. Um, It's a lot of moving pieces, man. And like Ken said, and I hate to admit it, but you got to start looking at Ty Lue, you know, 
got to start looking at Ty Lue. I, I know LeBron and those guys would never throw him under the bus, but and you know he's not he doesn't need to be fired or anything like that. But you know for Ty Lue, a guy who is supposed to be a defensive coach, you know your team is damn near last in defensive efficiency. You know that that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes about where they are. So we'll see how it goes. Um, it's almost time for us to get out of here. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, make sure that you download, subscribe to the podcast, wherever podcasts are given away. Uh, it's time for our final thoughts. Uh, my man FIFO's up first. FIFO, what's your final thought? My final thought is this. LeBron James, you about to be a free agent. Please go play for Popovich. I, I know you want to. That's why you're trying to hold out. And, 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 and one more Olympics just so you can get the two leagues. How, how about that's everyday life? How, how about you just leave Cleveland, go to warmer pastures down there in San Antonio? You know, you ain't got no state tax over there either. You know, I'm pretty sure it's pretty nice. Dallas is nice, so I'm pretty sure San Antonio is pretty nice. And just play for pop. I don't see anywhere else where he could really play. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense in New York. It doesn't make any sense in L.A., Makes sense for Popovich and Kawhi Leonard, and arguably the best duo to ever play the game if he goes there. So I'm gonna just leave it there. True indeed, true indeed. Uh, B, uh, what's your final thought? Uh, final thought: Michigan State Spartans, what's going on? Uh, y'all seem to be in the funk right now. Ever since this Big Ten conference started, you got blown out by unranked Ohio State. And you got your butts kicked by University of Michigan. Wolverines, man. What, what's going on, uh, Spartans? I know I know. Izzo usually turns it up, you know, in, in late February going into March. But, man, I don't know what's going on with my Spartans. I hope they, they need to get together. They need to get together soon. And uh, also, too, excited that the Aussie Open is, uh, is, is, is started up. Um like I said, I, I'm, I'm an admitted fan. I'm a tennis fan, but I only watch tennis whenever the Grand Slams is going on. Mm-hmm. Aussie Open, French Open, Wimbledon, and U.S. Open. So, But um, good to see uh, tennis season is, is in full effect. Usually when Aussie Open starts up, that means tennis season starting up. So we're we not, we not going to get Serena this go-round, but I think we're going to get her definitely for the, uh, for the uh, French Open. True, true, true indeed. Uh, Ken, what about you, man? What's your uh, final thought? Um, you have a superstar player. Um, his team is up six points with 44 seconds left in regulation. Uh, he turns the ball over. Um, the other team scores with a rebound and a dunk. Uh, they get the ball back. There are two missed free throws. And then there's a wide open three who was this uh, superstar's guy. Um, He was covering him, and uh, he gave up the wide-open three. They went on into OT, and they lost the game. This superstar player put up 64 points, had six rebounds, and only one assist with five steals. And he lost to a rookie. Who is that guy? Is that Kobe? <laughs> that is Michael Jordan. Oh, wow. Did not know that. January 16th, 1993. He scored 64 points 
on 49 field goals, Shaq had 29 and 24. Wow. Um, yeah. Isn't that something? Okay. okay. Can't come through with history. What would happen? Because we have this, I call it the Michael Jordification of, of who he is. Oh, Michael Jordan would never lose a game up by six with 44 seconds to go. Michael Jordan would never lose his man and allow his man to get a wide open three. Michael Jordan wouldn't have a late game turnover. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan would miss a, a last shot. <laughs> yeah, 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 he kind of did. And uh, But, you know, revisionist history, man. Sometimes we forget, man, and, and you know, Michael Jordan is God and it's is understandable so, but Michael Jordan was also human. And um, while he put up the points, he didn't care about that. He said it was a waste of energy. Um, you know, he only cared about the loss. And he said that, you know, it's just um, we just got to make sure that we make sure it doesn't happen again. And, you know, that's that. So um, I'll, I'll end it by saying that uh, to put that 49 field goals into perspective, Kobe – Score 81 on 46 field goal attempts. <laughs> I knew Kobe would come in at some point. Uh, my final thought, man, um, the regular season for the NFL just ended. Uh, as we see, these playoff games are, are hot and heavy, uh, and we're seeing these seasons you know, be extended uh, or end, if you will. Um, but I think one of the things that we as fans have to keep in mind is that uh, for a lot of players, in fact, I'd probably say for about 95% of the players in the NFL, uh, when it's over, it's over. Most NFL players do not do like John Elway and they call a press conference and they officially retire. You know how you officially retire in the NFL? Your phone stops ringing. So while these games are going on, keep in mind that there's some men who are going to play in these games and it's going to be the last time that they play ever again, because maybe they're a little older. Maybe the, the young guy that they, that got drafted to their position is going to come in and take their place. It's a young man's game. So keep in mind that when, when you see players, you know, distraught and tired and, and, and very sad after these games, you know, some are sad because that might be their last game at that particular team with that particular team. And they may be moving on to another team or just a matter of fact, that just might be the last game period. That's going to do it for us. Uh, for, for man, FIFA, B and Ken, I'm your man, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys. Peace.